Wrestling Geeks Hey, how you doing? This is Wrestling Geeks Alliance, WGA. Hope you guys are having a great time whenever you're listening to this. We've got another great show full of wrestling news, reviews, and everything in between. But I couldn't do the show without my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. Chris, how are you doing? I am doing wonderful, sir. I got me a 32-ounce Takati noon beer for the show. Damn. How about you, buddy? I'm dry this time. So, uh, well, not completely dry, you know. I'm still floating somewhere. <laughs> Hence the uh, nice. the the Saved by the Bell intro. Um, there's some people that when they listen to that, they're going to be younger and probably have no idea what the fuck I'm singing, but that's okay. You know, shit happens, Chris. Didn't, didn't they just recently try to reboot that show where it's like the family of the original cast? Well, I, I get, yeah, they did. And I didn't watch any of it cause why? Um, except for the fact that my Lord, the, the, uh, beautiful females on that show still look amazing. Uh, but, um, they were teachers, I think, this time around. Like Tiffany Amber Thiessen, uh whoever the fuck Zach Morris is, and uh, the one uh, Slater, you know, and uh, Jesse. Is it Jesse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Lisa yeah. Turner on that show. I I don't know either. Uh, I haven't watched any of it. I just they they were like doing that weird thing where they advertise people talking into their uh, remote control to bring up Saved by the Bell, and I was like, that's a thing. So <laughs> that's about as much as I know about it, is it's on a bunch of Hulu commercials. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, luckily, this is not a, a, a Saved by the Bell uh, podcast. I was about to say Saves the Day, which I wouldn't mind doing a podcast about the uh, emo pop punk band back in the day, Saves the Day. I was a big fan of their albums. The song will become. All right, I'm not doing that. Um, anyways, but uh, yeah, man, uh, kind of a a light week, I would say. Uh, so we'll go over the news items uh, that we got. A couple of them, just smaller. A lot of them pertain to shows. Raw and then NXT. I'll do just like a little breakdown, and then we'll talk about the other shows and get out of here. But um, you know, not the biggest, uh, not the biggest news week, Chris. I would say. Yeah, I mean, the only real news I can think about is uh, Bully Ray popping off on Twitter and then immediately getting demolished. That's about it. And we'll get to that one. Actually, we can start with that one if you'd like. So, uh, yeah, Bully Ray. And I'll try to find the exact transcript because I don't think that he said this on Twitter. He uh, he might have backed up his opinion 
but he actually had something to say about the whole Moxley thing on Busted Open. And I'm really sure Dave LaGreca is really happy with both Pulley Ray and Tommy Dreamer. You know, I, I love both of them, not just as radio personalities, but also as past wrestlers that have opinions and also have a very strong hold on the understanding of the business because they've been in it for so long. But sometimes I feel like it's just like Booker T. It's like a lot of these wrestlers, they have to say, I don't know. They just know that what they're going to say is with controversy. So if you guys didn't hear about it, and this kind of pertains, I'll, I'll bring up, the, remind me when we get to Mustafa Ali, Chris, to bring up the Tommy Dreamer statements uh, involving him doing wrestling outside of that. But uh, Bully uh, pissed a lot of people off. Uh, said that basically John Moxley owed an apology to the fans. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this, but I'll just I'll uh, I'll, I'll just uh, break down some of the stuff on there. I uh, he said that I did enjoy that they started off with Moxley. They came out with a bang. People were ready for it, and Moxley said what he needed to say. However. I would have liked to have heard just a little bit of accountability from John. I understand the whole demons thing, and we always use the word demons as a creative word to get around the real issue, whether it's alcohol abuse, whether it's drug issues. Uh, in Tommy's Dreamer's case, it's an eating issue. Everybody has some kind of demon that they have to get around. We have our demons. These demons got the best of John for a time period where he had to step away from AEW, I would have liked to have heard him say a bit of an apology to the AEW fans. You don't have to apologize to the boys, even though the boys do count on you, but any one of those guys and gals could have the same problem that you did. And trust me, I came up in an era where a slew of men and women had their demons. The fans expect a little bit more of you. What about the fans that bought tickets to see AEW and John Moxley while you're away uh, taking care of your problems? And he goes on to say some other stuff, but that was the gist of it. That really was the talking point in the wrestling community. And, uh, yeah, like like you said, there was a lot of people that came to Moxley's defense. Uh, I, I, I don't know because I'm not on Twitter, and if you know information differently, Chris, I don't, know if Mo or I don't know if Bully Ray said something to bury himself more with this issue. Either way, Renee, Renee Parquet just said that, you know, who's friends with Bully Ray and has been on the show many a times, but she said, real bad take, Bully. And Paige uh, said, there's a reason everyone prefers Devin. What an awful, awful thing to say. I don't know what the fuck that means. But she also went on and said, for your info, if you have take time off to better yourself or for very important health reasons, please make sure to apologize to Bubba for the time off. So that was uh, Paige's take on the whole entire thing. Hearing all this stuff, Chris... What do you think about Bully Ray's statements? And, uh, yeah, that's a lot of shit to unpack there. Yeah, it's just really weird, the thought of having to apologize to the fans for going to deal with personal issues that you were open and honest about and the company was open and honest about. I'm sure if a fan was that upset, they probably could have gotten their money back if they contacted AEW, but... Um, the general consensus is no one was upset about this and just wanted to wish Moxley the best in recovery. Usually you would expect people to be shitty online, but uh, I didn't really hear any bad things when, I mean, it seemed like it was all positive, right? So 
it as Renee said, I think it's a very bad take. Uh, what Paige was alluding to is people like Devon Dudley better than Bubba Ray, I think, as a person. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a nice little hit. Devon. Um, it was spelled out D-E-V-O-N. I'm, 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 I need the hyphen instead of the A uh, or the E. Sorry. Yeah, so that, that was the majority of it. And. Uh, I, I accidentally said Twitter earlier and not his podcast because, like you said, that's where it came out as. I haven't seen him uh, double down on anything, so at least he's not out here trying to do that because that would be a really bad look. But it's like, I don't know, out of all the things to talk about in the wrestling business, why even waste your time making that comment kind of thing? It's just dumb. Yeah, when you're reviewing the product, I don't know, maybe something like that. Think it well out before you say it. I'm not, you know, a lot of our listeners know, and Chris, obviously, that I'm not the big for cancel culture concepts, and I don't think Bully has anything to worry about that. But sometimes just be a little bit more well thought before you present a concept. And uh, unfortunately, Chris, another ECW legend I thought had a really hot take that probably <laughs> – Dave wasn't even in uh, for Busted Open. I think it was on Monday. They had the uh, guy that does the weekends with Tommy Dreamer. And this will pertain to our next subject. Staff Ali requested his release. Uh, apparently, it was reported that he got in a confrontation with Vince McMahon after presenting this idea. He's been pitching to him for a while that Vince seemed like, at least at one point, uh, kind of opening to the idea, and then it was completely shut down. So, you know, Mustafa, or Mustafa, I should say, Mustafa went online and uh, kind of let everyone know that he requested his release. Uh, that would lead to WWE denying it. Uh, and basically, in a nutshell, he said that he has a message to bring. He want to do this with wrestling. Uh, but if he can't do it with wrestling, he will. He, it's more important than his career in wrestling. And I know that one of the things presented from him um, that's been going on, maybe he really was pushing more towards it, was he wanted to be a babyface. He didn't want to be a heel. Uh, I, I think he realized retribution was terrible and just made him look like an idiot and just hates the stereotypical, because he's uh, Pakistani, from Chicago originally, but Pakistani uh, with his uh, ethnic background and, uh, you know, uh, doesn't like the whole Middle Eastern concept that anyone that comes from there is usually a heel. Even if you're Jinder Mahal, who fucking is from Canada, you got to be the the bad, you know, basically terrorist like concept that's been going on for a long time. And he wants to present it completely different. And he also wants to kind of. The fact that he was a past cop, he wanted to have some type of element within that from things that are going on. And I'm assuming Vince, even if he warmed up to it, just doesn't want to deal with the backlash. I have no idea. But they're denying him. He went online again and said it's not over or something to that extent. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, 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 it sucks. Uh, you would think at this point, since they're releasing a million people, I guess he only has to wait two more months when they decide to do it themselves. Uh, but that they would just grant him his release since they really aren't doing anything with him. 
If anything, he was they were trying to get him over with Mansoor, who was a baby face with him as a heel, and he would always lose. So I don't know what the fuck is going on with Ali as a character, but I've always liked him as a wrestler and thought he really progressed and got past the 205 live concept. And honestly, if he didn't get injured and Kofi didn't have to replace him, they at one point had big plans for him. So I don't know. Uh, how do you feel about all this? The two questions that kind of counter each other, Chris, that I want presented to you is do wrestlers really need to post this shit online? Uh, does that actually, you know, based on past situations, including the late great uh, Brody Lee, does that really help things out? And should WWE hold on to people that don't want to fucking be there? To answer your first question, should they post this stuff online? I think it is important to get it out there to let people know that you're trying to get released so the fans have a general idea of your dissatisfaction. So when you leave somewhere else or leave to go somewhere else, there is that intrigue of, well, what could this person have been in WWE? Almost like what we saw with Brody Lee. I think a lot of people knew what Brody Lee was going to be uh, if given a push just because he's so damn good. And I think the same could be said about Mustafa Ali. Uh, the only downside to this is, like you were alluding to, WWE has fuck you money, and they will just hold that contract. So <laughs> I don't know. I If I was in that situation, and there's no telling how many times he's been asking for his release or how long he's been asking for his release, I, I think it's just one of those passion things, you know? It's... uh. I feel bad for him that it's a shitty situation for sure. I'm, you know, they've had so many different storylines. They wanted to put the guy in that, that hacking gimmick they were doing originally. Wasn't that slated for him to be some kind of vigilante type character? Yeah. And then they turned it into retribution instead, which was just great. <laughs> Everyone like J bar and Jack off or whatever. That was a, that was a real fun time. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, everyone really just elevated the shit out of them. Um, <laughs> God. I do, I, I do have some breaking news. What's that? Uh, Leo Rush is on Twitter. Have you heard, heard about this? You've seen this? <laughs> no. What, what, what's uh, Leo got to say? He posted an image with his actual release date from AEW. He says on February 14th, 2022, my contract will expire in AEW and I will become a free agent. Here's my booking information. So I guess demanding that apology from Tony Khan maybe did not work out in his favor. I guess <laughs> I guess we will see. But the, uh, the Internet is blowing up right now about this with people on either side of the fence, right? Um, but Leo Rush, man, has there ever been a wrestler essentially commit career suicide in any company he goes to, with the exception of CZW, I guess? My God, I, uh, I think that him and uh, Velveteen Dream, aka Patrick Clark, uh, they, they, I, at one point they were in a tag team. They should probably be in a tag team and call it uh, fucked. Um. Or or something to that extent. I don't know what the fuck's going on with Leo. This is... Uh, well, I guess certain people grant releases. Because I'm assuming he would have had a request for it to be done that quickly. Um, since he just got signed to the fucking company. 
Well, he got signed. We don't know how long he was signed for because it was what he came off that triple A A thing, right? Yeah. So this could just be his actual date. That was it seems like it was around this time last year where they started bringing Leo in. I I could be wrong on that. Maybe it was just a one year deal or whatever. Uh, The fact that he has an exact date, I would assume that it's actually tied to his contract and not a. uh, not like a no compete kind of thing. We haven't heard anything about AEW having no compete. I figured like Big Swole would have came out and talked about that or some of the other people that have left AEW. I don't know. This is just interesting. I hope the best for him, man, but he seems, it just seems, I don't know. It's very similar to, um, oh man, uh, the female wrestler that was big on Lucha Underground. That was signed to AEW for a while. I can't remember her name for the life of me. She had that like a Lita look uh, to her. Evelise? Yeah, Evelise. I wasn't sure if you were talking about Evelise or um, was it Kylie Ray? Who her situation's that, a little different, but Kylie Ray? No, I'm just talking about like Kylie Ray. It seems like people honestly feel bad for her situation, and a lot of times. They they work with her. Uh, Leo has admitted to problems, but I'm just talking about kind of going out on a negative way. It seems like with most companies, <laughs> including AEW, they're they're uh, very similar in nature for that. And uh, I don't know. It just it's just weird. It's just I don't know how the fuck. It's like they didn't even get a, give a chance for him to get projected. He was a part of that little situation that never played out. That now it seems like Jay Lethal in a lazy way, in a, in a lot of ways, is getting put back into with Dante Martin, but I, I don't even fucking know. Um, I'm thinking of this, okay, he's not, did he ever have anything in Impact? Maybe he could show up there. I don't even remember. MLW, probably not. AEW, WWE, you know, New Japan. I guess he can go back to AAA. It just sucks, because he's really talented. Yeah, it was not that long ago we were talking about that tag match he had, and he just looked like a million fucking bucks, and he's great on the mic. And then in this situation, I think, just depends on how you feel about the big swole stuff and, and whether or not Tony Khan should have issued an apology. Um, but, you know, could you imagine if someone called out Vince and demanded an apology? We'd probably it, You'd probably see the same situation. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, probably something similar to that would happen. But uh, anyways, um, so to wrap things up, crazy fucking just off the wall story. Like I said, I hope the best for Leo Rush. It just, you know, I was just listening to the Foo Fighters uh, uh, burning bridges. Uh, I'll just leave it that way. Um, But yeah, hope the best. Well, where would where would you want to see him uh, if you eliminate all of the places he's been? That doesn't leave a lot of places. Ring of Honor is not even a construct anymore. It's like more of an idea at this fucking point. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like, what does he have? I mean, Leo, correct me if I'm wrong, he did a lot of stuff in Evolve. That's not there anymore. He did some stuff in PWG, but that's not like a full-time promotion. That's more of like a local, big, bigger-than-life type of concept that you go to. Um I don't know. Like I said, it he left MLW. It seems like, well, I mean, their whole contract situation could be on the on court buyer's side as well. But 
um, Impact, I guess. I, I don't know. Where can he go? New Japan? GCW, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they're still pumping that thing up. So, yeah, he was also a CZW alum. I forgot about that. You know, he's had a lot of crazy-ass I, matches. Um, CZ, CZW is not even running anymore, though, right no. now, I don't think. It's done. So, is Leo just going to end up in Puerto Rico with Marty Scroll? Probably. That's what I'm saying. He's him. It's going to be like the Island of Misfit Toys in Puerto Rico with him and Patrick Clark and uh, Marty Scurll and whoever else needs to try to go there to get a job. Um, it's just sad. There, I, I heard there's a new female tag team and it's Eva Lee and um and Sexy Star. So they're doing their thing over there, man. Um. If if I was him, I would probably, I, I, as far as places to work, Impact and GCW, I yeah. would really love to see him in New Japan Strong just because I feel like you could get some really fucking great matches. Here's an idea. What about, since they're introducing the, uh, the Danny Hodge old school uh, NWA junior heavyweight division, you know, they have Carino's son, they had, they're bu- they've been building this up in NWA. He's great on the mic. He's great in that type of division, you know, and Billy Corgan seems like he works with people that may have had issues beforehand. Uh, I don't know. I'm still thinking about that Puerto Rican uh, promotion, man. We could throw like we could throw Loki in there and Teddy Hart and just get them all on one one island together in a promotion. <laughs> it sounds like you're booking a reality TV show where people are actually allowed to kill each other. Well, I mean, Tommy Dreamer can write it. Oh, God, please no. Um, and, and speaking about, and that's kind of like to wrap it up with the Mustafa Ali, or Mustafa, apologize, Ali uh, concept is that it wasn't really as controversial. He did get a little bit of a flack for this, but he basically stated, like the uh, the co-host, I forgot what his name is, he was like, you know, this could be a really big thing. And <laughs> Tommy said straight up, he doesn't see much in uh, Mustafa Ali. He thinks that he thinks of him as a 205 live guy, and he doesn't see him really bringing anything uh, of that much uh, to an AEW or even an Impact. And I, I really fucking disagree with Tommy on that. Uh, and just just talk about AEW, like you know, why would Tony want to hire someone? And I, the main thing that I don't think Tommy's thinking about. You know, I don't know how much he hasn't seen of Mustafa Ali. I think it's always been he's always been good in the mic. He's if he's had to be a heel, I mean, he's done it decently. It's just more of the uh, booking situation with him. He's an incredible wrestler. Um, you know, I I think that if you don't think Tony Khan, who I believe is Pakistani in descent, wouldn't love having you know someone that's already established from the WWE like a Mustafa Ali, you know, being able to present this new concept. For their people, basically, essentially, I don't think that that's out of the realm. Um, once again, do we have enough fucking people on the damn roster already? That's unlimited fucking bank account with Tony. So whatever the hell he wants to do. But uh, Tommy got a little bit of flack for that. And uh, sometimes he just fucking he's him and Bully Ray will straight out put their opinions. They're old school guys. And that's how they do it. That's that's just how they are on the show. And they're very unapologetic. And sometimes it's annoying. And sometimes, you know, you just got to realize they have their own opinion, essentially. But I'm sure Dave LaGreca wasn't too happy about, you know, 
that whole entire thing, like two days apart, basically, Chris. Did Tommy Lee, or not Tommy Lee, did Tommy Dreamer still work there when um, Mustafa Ali was having his initial run? I'm trying to remember. No, he, until recently, he's been an impact for a while now, working creative. And then also, until it got uh, shut down, I think because of the pandemic, he was working on his House of Hardcore as well. Okay, yeah, I knew that he had some involvement doing either some training or some road work with WWE for a while. Um, I think it's hard to make the comment that he made with how WWE has used Mustafa Ali as a character. It's not like you've seen him have a ton of mic time or promos or even a big storyline. Unless you're just going off looks and in-ring ability to say that no other company, like he couldn't be used in any other company is, is a bit of a ridiculous statement. Yeah, I just thought it was, uh, he, I think he was trying to present what he would consider the other big companies outside of it now that Ring of Honor is gone. So he just said AEW and Impact, which there's a million other places, but I don't think that, I don't, I, it's like, really, that's the person you're talking about? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. It was just a very weird comment, and it was, it kind of threw off the co-host, too, who's like, well, he doesn't have to be in the championship race. He could just kind of like be presenting this concept he wants to present and be a different storyline within the story. And he's like, yeah, I just, uh, you know, him with TNT championship, can't really see it. World championship, really don't see it. I don't think that Tony Khan would really have anything for him to do. Was kind of, I'm paraphrasing it, by the way. I should definitely say that. Yeah, but like Impact, there's plenty that he could do on Impact, right? Yeah. I mean, like the X division, especially the roster they're building. I I don't know. I think that was maybe a bad take, but everyone, I guess, are entitled to their opinion. You should just realize if you make an opinion like that on a guy that's coming out and kind of pouring his heart out on Twitter, you're going to get backlash. Well, that's just how things are, man, you know, and uh, I think they're going to continue to be in the wrestling industry, especially by and it's so crazy. You know, Chris, now that the older guys in the industry are your Bully Rays and your your Tommy Dreamers. But, you know, people got opinions and some opinions are like assholes, blah, 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 whatever the fuck. But uh, we'll move on. Any last comments? No, just that I, I like Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamers performers. I don't listen to the podcast, so I can't comment on their show either way. Yeah, I completely understand that for sure. You know, and it's 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 more about context. I would just say that anyone out there, if certain things, you know, transpire, don't just react. Go and try to find out what exactly was said. And obviously hearing it from the person's mouth, even just reading it is different. So there you go. Uh, let's go to our next thing. Hey, Chris, somehow. I don't even know how this happens. So it was on the 17th that we found out from the Observer that Cody Rhodes technically was a free agent and he had been working on an AEW deal and that uh, it wasn't finalized still and he's been working off off of his contract. Now, all of this would bring people presenting that Cody's going to fucking take the TNT belt and 
go to the Royal Rumble and throw it in the trash or, you know, just all this craziness. And Cody would kind of put some some uh, flame to the fire, if you will, just making like a little comment they threw out there uh, with Tony within his promo that we'll talk about when we get there. Uh, with Tony sending him uh, something in an envelope uh, that he was hoping was a contract. So they're playing with this. Uh, I would just, my opinion, and this is kind of my final opinion on it, is that I don't know how this information really got out. I don't know how it's not finalized ahead of time, especially when you're one of the v, uh, VIP or the uh, VPs of the company, apparently. Uh, but he wasn't going anywhere. TNT. Uh, you know, and TBS are really good to Cody. You know, he's got shows now on the network of TNT, two different ones. Uh, he's not going anywhere, and they used it on the show to kind of like put some intrigue in there. But if if it's not already finalized, the contract's going to be finalized. I wouldn't expect him to do anything else. But still, nonetheless, kind of a big deal that one of your VPs is off contract while you're trying to finalize and iron out his stuff. I wonder if this has anything to do with maybe trying to find out uh, money elsewhere, Chris? Uh, is that what the negotiating tactic is? I don't know how that plays out because he could have two separate contracts. He could have a performer contract, like a wrestling contract, and then a VP contract because those would be different for the position That's in the true. company, one would think. Um, but I would assume that this would tie into his – Brandy Rhodes TV show because that's a AEW joint, right? Yep. So if Tony Khan's like, hey, this show is doing shit in the ratings, we're not going to do it anymore, and maybe the contract negotiations around that, or it could be, uh, it could be one of a bazillion different things. But much like you, when I saw that, I was just like, oh, well, they're just working out details of either that TV show or um, percentages owned in the company because don't they all own a small percentage in the company? I think I think I'm assuming there's got to be a little bit of like maybe stock put into them. But I mean, it's been stated many times that Tony has he he's financially the backup for everything. So, yeah, I mean, it would take for me for Cody to leave and go anywhere. There would have to be something crazy happen because like a lot of his people he has trained and handpicked friends uh, work at that company. Hell, his wife is a, a VP there as well, right? For the, I can't remember exactly her the job. The chief title, brandy officer. Remember, the chief brandy yeah. officer. <laughs> but she has her whole thing there as well. So I'm assuming it's probably tied to that TV show and just how much money they're going to pay the guy. Um, I don't know. I, I, if you're a fan of Cody Rhodes, I wouldn't worry too much about it. You'll be an AEW. Unless they, you know, did work out some kind of, if they're going to slam down the forbidden door and we're going to get crossover between AEW and WWE, like, hey, I'm cool with that. Because that's going to be the only way you see fucking Cody at Royal Rumble. Yeah. I mean, if something like that were to happen, that would be pretty amazing. I mean, I would definitely not expect it. But if he came back as like a Legends concept just for the Royal Rumble because he is off contract, Tony's letting him do it, whatever. That would be very interesting. I'm just not putting a lot of hope on it. But I guess the flip side, and, you know, a lot of people could say that they, they don't worry about the Impact Championship compared to the AEW Championship. But M Mickey James is going to be in the Women's Royal Rumble. And she's saying, Chris, that she's bringing the title with her. That's what she told Dave LaGreca 
I'm busted open, but I don't know how much I believe is really under her control, but she wants to go out there with the Impact title, so who knows? This Royal Rumble's going to be crazy, but even if Cody did it, it, to me, it would just be a one-time thing for the Royal Rumble, and then he's re-signing with AEW completely, or Tony doesn't give a shit, but that doesn't really help out WWE. That only helps out really AEW for having him on that. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I was thinking. Just like when he let Chris Jericho go in the Broken Skull session, yeah, and talk about AEW. I mean, it's not even if he does resign with AEW. If you're Tony Khan, you're you would be allowing one of your wrestlers to be put on one of the biggest. I would say the second biggest pay per view in WWE, right? Yeah, and technically the second biggest pay per view when it comes to professional wrestling, or I'm sorry, sports entertainment in the world. Uh, with Mickey James, I think she she might drop that title before Rumble. Didn't they just set up a number one contenders match against Tasha Steele? So there is a chance that if they present that match, but correct me if I'm wrong, the Rumbles, if it's not next weekend, it's the weekend after that. So Impact would have to do a title match on television and have Tasha go over, which is possible. I don't know, but she's claiming Chris. She's saying that she's bringing the title with her. And she's walking that shit down the aisle uh, on the way to the Rumble. Yeah, hopefully she worked it out where she's going to be one of the last people out of the Rumble. Then I I wouldn't necessarily want my belt on TV if she's just going to show up and get tossed out in like two minutes. I would say that's definitely a worry if you're Mickey James, you know, but I don't know what the hell she's going to do. What she's going to have like her big coat if, if she doesn't clear it with Vince and just like wear it over the fucking belt and it just pop right out. Is she coming out to hardcore country or a stupid cheerleading little uh, thing? Well, it's WWE, so you know they're going to use her regular theme song from WWE. I mean, they're trying to... WWE is going to look at her as their legend. They don't really care that she's in Impact at all. They just needed to fill up a roster spot for that Royal Rumble since they released like 100 female wrestlers this year. So wait, let me get this straight. So she works for Impact. Isn't that that old shit company? And NWA, she works for them. I didn't even know the NWA existed. So that's Vince's reaction basically to... Uh, Mickey James and those type of uh, concepts. Yeah, I, whatever happens, happens. Um, it's very interesting. It's very weird. Here, here's here's one last question before we move on, since we just talked about theme music. So, Cody, do you think he would demand that he gets his music intro? <laughs> He's like, I want a platform to come up in the middle and allow me to come out, and I want the adrenaline in my bell, you know. Or his horrible fucking WWE music. Uh, I, the Stardust music was pretty okay, right? <sighs> because that's what WWE would want to bring him back as. <laughs> Stardust. Oh my god. That would be terrible. Alright, let's move on to the next couple stories. This one's kind of a short one. But uh, interesting nonetheless. So, it was reported uh, first by... Um, Wrestling Observer. Lita reportedly had discussions with AEW and was pitched a program with Britt Baker. Apparently, Tony and AEW thought of her or 
what the claim is, thought more of her uh, than WWE until randomly just now. I don't know if they found out these reports and then decided to jump on it. But Leah's always been, hey, here's a uh, Royal Rumble spot. Do a moonsault. And that's all she fucking does. So this is kind of the first time she's been pumped up as a legend that she really is. But apparently AEW wanted that and wanted her to have a program with Britt Baker. Uh, that fell through. And shortly after that, now she is in the position she's in. Um, so I'm assuming it could be a situation where Goldberg did this admittedly. Uh, I think Randy Orton admittedly said he did this. And Edge definitely did where they just, you know, before they signed the contract or do whatever and get more involved with WWE, they just see if there's more money available because it is a fucking business after all. But uh, you hear about this interesting to hear that AEW first was interested in her going for the, essentially the AEW women's championship against the champ for Baker, Chris. Yeah. I mean, that if you're smart and you're like Alita for sure, shopping your contract around makes a hell of a lot of sense. I would have loved to have seen Lita versus Britt Baker. I think that would have been a really fun program, but maybe Lita doesn't want to work that big of a program. Yeah. Uh, whereas if she wins the Royal Rumble, it's just a WrestleMania match, right? Yep. So I also don't think that she's going to win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I've, I've dialed back on that. Um, but it, I guess if she did win, you know, going against Becky, who's arguably the most, I would say, the most popular female wrestler as far as, like, viewership goes, uh, would not be a, a necessarily a bad thing for Lita. I mean, that's that's probably part of that decision, I would think. Yep. Yeah, either Becky or Charlotte, basically. Unless Charlotte wins it all and then decides to pick whoever, uh, which she's trying to Okada that shit, if you will. So... It's interesting. Um, her at AEW would have been a strange fit. Would she even be able to go by Lita? Like, does she own the rights to that, or is that a WWE type of thing? Would you have to be Amy? I believe that WWE actually does own the rights to Lita, because if you look at her pro wrestling tea store, none of her shirts are Lita. They're all Amy. Hmm. Well, that would have been interesting, but, uh, you know, they worked it out, and WWE uh, also worked out a deal with Sami Zayn, and he has re-signed with the WWE um, for a new multi-year deal, I'm assuming. I think, so if Kevin Owens was assumed to be at least four to five years, I think, maybe it's three to four. Sami's probably the same amount, but either way. I mean, we're, there's not a lot of spots to go. Obviously, Sammy would be regarded as a top person to sign just because of his tenure and his in-ring ability and now what he's built up as both his baby face and heel personas. He's everything that you'd want as a performer. Um, so I don't think it would be hard for him to get a job, just like Kevin Owens. But even though there's a lot of silliness, it seems like more and more he's becoming a stable character wherever he goes, SmackDown or Raw. And he's one of the best heels on the program, and he's still able to produce good matches. Uh, I'm still thinking that him and Shinsuke at Rumble should be a good match, and he'll probably have the IC belt going into Mania. But, you know, I don't know. I think there's more of – if fans are wondering, I think there's more of a chance for Kevin Owens in the next couple of years to become 
heavyweight champion again uh, with either one of them than Sammy getting it. But either way, I'm sure he's happy with the dollar amount that they offered him. Uh, what would you say, Chris? If it's anywhere near close to what Kevin Steen or Kevin Owens's contract was, I would assume that he is a very happy man right now. Um, as far as the contract goes, I don't know if he is excited about however they're going to be booking him. It's never too late to turn it around with Sami Zayn and have him be a top guy, though. I, I still think that, you know, you could always pull the 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 El Generico card if you wanted to. Um, or you could just treat him since he's been such kind of like a goofy character who's taken all these losses, just turn very serious. Because, I mean, if you think about Daniel Bryan, um, mm-hmm. his his build was absolutely getting demolished for years and years. And then when they finally did give him a push kind of against their own will. Uh, it works. So I feel like you could also do that with Sami Zayn because he's great on the mic. He's good in the ring. Uh, my only worry is, do they just see him as like a Dolph Ziggler where he, that that's where you're always yes. going to be on the car? Yep. That's the worry. Uh, I don't know. He's definitely someone since they like to kind of for wherever they go, since they like to bring some guys uh, to NXT now, it seems, with AJ Styles, and also what they did in the, the Black and Gold brand, too. We're bringing Finn Balor back and Charlotte at time periods. Same as it would be a good person to kind of throw on that if you don't have something for him to do and also take that title and work with some of the guys there. He's just – he seems like someone that, even though there are rumors he's a, he's a, he's, he can be a pain in the ass to deal with creatively because he's got his idea and – that's what he wants to fucking do. You put him behind many different things, and he's going to be able to be utilized as a good wrestler and performer for your company. So I am worried that the Dolph Ziggler, the Cesaro, that type of concept might be his future, though. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, we joked about them having, you know, going surfing off the fucking coast last week. You know, it's not a joke, though. They're all great wrestlers, and they're just like a certain level. Bobby Roode's another one. And it seems like that's what they're doing. But I still think, Chris, that even as his heel, Sammy's a bigger part of the uh, the program. Uh, so I, if he stays like this and then potentially can get into the world title picture, then I think it's a little more believable, unfortunately, than your Dolph Ziggler's, your Cesaro's, your Shinsuke's, and your Bobby Roode's. Yeah, and the one advantage he has over some of the guys you just named is he's way better on the mic. Yep. So that, you know, that goes a long way. I think there's a lot you can do with Sami Zayn. And, and also, you know, it'd be hilarious. They probably don't do this. But what if he just enters the Royal Rumble twice? Like you always have that. Like I said, the El Generico card. They, if they pulled that, people will lose their shit. Um, so there's a, there's still a lot you could do with Sami Zayn. I don't know that WWE is going to do it necessarily. But uh, hey, man, he got paid. He's, you know, there with Kevin still. I'm sure he's happy with his current position on SmackDown because at least he's featured. I mean, he's a major anchor of that show. He really is, even if his uh, feud apparently is with. um... Oh, that's right. So I don't know when he's going against Shinsuke. Maybe they're doing it on uh, SmackDown, but he's going to be in the Rumble. And unfortunately, Johnny Knoxville is probably going to throw his ass out. Uh, Hopefully he gets chucked then by. Brock Lesnar and Walter at the same time, like into the audience afterwards. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. But WrestleMania, if, if you give me a really good 
And if you guys give them time and it were to be like a Shinsuke versus uh, Shinsuke Nakamura versus Sami Zayn match, which is called ex- by you too as as probably Shinsuke's best match in WWE, if you actually let them have a really great match, especially if Sami gets that IC title again, he's one of those guys. I'll even, you know, Chris Jericho had this going for him. Even The Miz, you know, that when he has that title, it, it brings a little bit more back to the uh, old kin, if you will, of the IC belt. Yeah, I and they could have an absolutely great match. It's just how much time they give them. And I, I would be excited for that. I'm, I, when they finally do pull the trigger on that, I think that'll be great. Um, hey, I do have a little bit more breaking news. Uh, Uh Steve Austin is heavily rumored to be part of WrestleMania to some extent, maybe as like a guest host or whatever. But uh, Dave Meltzer, I guess on Wrestling Observer Radio last night, came out and talked about his involvement. He basically said, uh, or he did say in quotes, probably he'll be like a guest host. So he will probably will be on a couple shows leading up to it. Uh, Austin will probably help those weeks in the ratings, which makes sense. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you get Austin back. That's how, how it's going to work. But hey, he, him there as a host or even just kind of coming around and being thrown into some of the storylines, just, you know, coming up back and being able to talk with and work with some of the guys on the mic. It's going to it'll be fun. It'll be a fun addition. And then him at Mania. It, I'm, I'm sure that if they can't get Rock in a match next year in L.A., um, they're going to try to get the Rock to at least host WrestleMania again. It just makes sense. I mean, they're they're big names, and uh, that'll be fun. I'm just wondering uh, who's going to get a stunner. That's that's my biggest thing. <laughs> yeah, someone is definitely getting a stunner. Austin Austin's a great idea for a WrestleMania host. Uh, what did they last year? They did uh, Titus O'Neil and yeah, Bailey, and Hulk right? Hogan. Which what? No, it was him and Hulk Hogan. It was really awkward <laughs> because they kind of made a joke about. That situation, uh, that definitely sounded scripted. I forgot what the fuck they said. But that was in uh, Tampa, right? Yes. And it rained. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> right. right. Um, so, yeah, this will be this will be fun. I'm down. Austin's always hilarious in these situations. So that, that'll be a fun part of WrestleMania, if, if true. And who knows? We Kevin Owens doesn't have a match right now, so maybe maybe he convinced uh, old Stone Cold. I don't know. Well, just putting that out there. It's never gonna happen, guys. It's never gonna fucking happen. Anyways, so have you heard this wonderful stuff about Finn Balor, Chris? I have not, unless it's related to the name change of Volter slash, yeah, that that stuff. Well, no, actually, apparently the report going on uh, from Wrestling News, they're the first people to break this down, is that Balor is now going to be in the Jeff Hardy spot, quote unquote, that they're going to book him as someone that has credibility from the past, but to put some of the other guys over, which is what he did with Austin Aries uh, this last week. Um, And also kind of noted a little strange, but last night, uh, you know, they went over Roman's all of his accomplishments and uh, didn't have. And I know the match went to hell because of the stupid fucking ending. Didn't have any footage of him, uh, you know, uh, getting a win over the demon, which he defeated the demon first on pay-per-views. 
And also, Finn Balor wasn't a part of the mentions of past Universal Champions. And I know we only had it for like a day, but still, there you have it. It doesn't seem like WWE has many answers for Finn. But then again, he would go on to support the Gunther name change with, uh, whatchamacallit, Walter, and say that everyone hated the name Finn Balor that was a, a fan of me beforehand. And my name was Fergal Devitt. That's his real name in real life. So, um, I don't know. Uh, this sucks because I really think Finn's really good. And uh, I think Triple H tried to get him back and revamped, and now he's kind of going to be the guy it sounds like to take a lot of L's. Yeah, and to compare him to Jeff Hardy within that company is really, really weird. I mean, does he have credibility with the, the people that only watch SmackDown and Raw at this point? Because he just gets demolished every week. Yep, pretty much. So, I mean, like, w- at least with Jeff Hardy, he's a, f- like, five-time WWE champion. Um, someone that people had watched for years and years within the same company. You know, you're you're asking a lot of, oh, let's say, only WWE fans or main product fans to say, oh, but he was really good in Japan. I think you're asking a lot <laughs> if that's the conclusion they're trying to draw. As far as his name change in that Twitter statement, there's a big difference when kind of your entire run has been one name and you switch it within a company versus showing up at the company and having a new name. Those That's like apples and oranges. That's a good point. And I hope the best for Finn. I, I, I'm assuming, actually, Chris, that the whole Jeff Hardy concept was what they were recently doing with Jeff Hardy, and that's having him take L's to new, younger talent. It seemed like the whole entire time until he said, fuck this and get the hell out of there. So um, not 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 the more prestige of how he should have been treated. But Finn's just basically someone formidable to put in the ring that has a little bit of prestige based on weight in NXT and being the first universal champion and can take the L's and just put on good matches, I guess, with young guys. Like he did with Theory. That was actually a pretty good match on Raw. Yeah, I think part of Jeff Hardy's fuck this is one, they were making him wrestle fucking house shows, and two, you look across the, the board and you see what they're doing with Edge, and you're like, well, this sucks. <laughs> Fuck this. Yeah. Jeff and Matt are actually going to be doing a, uh, a a smaller promotion. I don't know if it's... I forgot which one, but uh, they're teaming up for the first time in a long time, so that's pretty cool. Getting the Hardy Boys... Oh, uh, how long until he's on, on, uh, on Dynamite? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know what you've got to assume that the Briscoes are coming in. And they're tag division. That's what I was going to say is that they're the tag division is so fucking stacked. It's almost better that you just bring him into feud with Matt Hardy first before you make them a tag team. That's a good Um, point. But I don't know. I'm down to see the Hardy Boys again. Hardy Boys versus Young Bucks would be a fun match to see. They've had good matches in the past, specifically that that latter match they had at Ring of Honor the night before they showed up at WrestleMania with one of the biggest pops I've ever heard in my life. Uh, that that was a really really great match between. I think it was. I actually think it was the Briscoes. I, I want to say I could be wrong. Briscoe's the Bucks, and, and so if they revamp something like that, hell yeah, dude, I'm down for that. That'd be awesome. Um, they need to have the a Hardy tournament. Boys, 
they really do need a tag tournament just because of how many teams they have. Well, our last news item before we go into some of these shows. Um, <laughs> God dang it. All right, I, I have mixed things to say about this. Uh, my problem with WWE filing a trademark uh, for Walter to be now known as Gunther is because of what kind of Chris was alluding to, and that he's been going by Walter for a long time. I know, I know that Vince wants to pretend that especially NXT UK does not really exist, that he gets to revamp this new monster that he probably somehow, I guess, missed uh, his performance at, you know, uh, Survivor Series a couple years ago in which Vince booked him losing first for the team. Uh, but now he's going by Gunther. Um, it just, it's unnecessary. I, I understand that we're going to get to a point where we'll get used to it. And a lot of people are saying, like like I said with Finn Balor, but also Shane Helms, like no one liked the Hurricane, which I don't think that's true. I think everyone liked the Hurricane uh, when he came up with that, but that he'll be fine from it, and I'm sure. And now the other point, Gunther Stark is a old-school uh, Nazi U-boat commander, um, and he sunk the English Channel in 1944. And, uh, yeah, the other thing, to go on the opposite side of that is that Gunther is actually a very popular name over in Germany, Austria, which is where uh, Walter's from. So I understand that that's not the f most flattering thing, but, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fucking popular name. I don't really know where Vince was coming with it. I, I doubt it had to do with the Nazi general. Who knows? I mean, the way that he's presented... And where they can go about it, maybe that's what they're fucking doing. I have no clue. Why? Oh, Chris, just talk, please. My head hurts. I mean, there's a bazillion Gunthers. Was it actually confirmed, or did people just draw this conclusion? Because I still haven't wrapped my head around that yet, as far as he's being named after. Because they just gave him the name Gunther. He didn't announce a last name, and on the roster page, it is listed as just Gunther. I don't know if that was WWE deciding, oh, wow, that's a terrible idea, or if people were just drawing conclusions to that because they're like, oh, I think they were drawing conclusions. Okay. I think it was just WWE being WWE and changing his name to something popular, like you said. But when I think of Gunther, I think of uh, the little penguin from Adventure Time <laughs> that's like the Ice King's <laughs> friend. Um, and then Gunther from Friends, which are not very flattering to a big beast named Walter, which also, like, just put an H in there, and it could be like a Walter pistol, which is notorious. I mean, even if you were trying to do, like, a very German thing, that's a German pistol already, right? Like, I don't know. I The biggest problem I have with this name change is this is a well-established character that people already love and cheer for that has had five-star matches that's well-known. Uh, even for people that aren't necessarily WWE fans, they go out of their way to watch his matches. Uh, it's just kind of a weird thing to decide to change his name now at this point. Like this guy's held multiple titles. He had the longest NXT UK title reign under the name Walter. He's been on the main roster before as Walter. It's just weird to decide. Now we need to change his name. What four years later since he, <laughs> Since he first got to WWE slash NXT, it's it's like I said, it's very different than if, if he showed up now, 
and they were like, okay, you're not Walter, you're Gunther, it's more understandable. And my guess is the whole reason for this name change, and I could be wrong, this is just a hunch, is they're going to try to give this guy a big push on the main roster, and they want to own all of yep. that copywriting. Because he was Walter beforehand uh, in other places. So that's a real shit thing to do, but it's WWE, they do this. They want to own the name. I think that's exactly what it is, but if he ever decides to go somewhere else, he can take back his old name that people are used to as well, very much like uh, John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, or even Fergal Dovett, uh, Prince Devitt, compared to a Finn Balor. So there is that. But, uh, yeah, just uh, interesting. I, it just seems. I was just going to say, if you're a Walter fan, this is probably a good thing because that would lo- that would lead me to believe that he is signing some sort of contract that would make him localized in the United States for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. I'm, the effort of... I'm not surprised, Chris, that they didn't already renegotiate his contract and gave him quite a boost to come over here. Um, and get built up for the main roster. My worries are, are you going to treat him eventually where Rusev was at, or is he actually going to get a push like presented as like a new Brock Lesnar-styled attraction or something like that? Well, based on what WWE is doing across all of their main products, I'm assuming that he's going to get a big push, because if you look at their title picture right now, it's Bobby Lashley, it's Brock Lesnar, it's uh, Roman Braun. Braun Breaker, Roman Reigns, they they are going heavy with big wrestlers trying to separate themselves from AEW. Uh, as far as that, as far as their main event goes, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. It, it gives you two different products to watch. Um, I would say, you know, Wardlow also exists in the world of AEW. Pull the fucking trigger on that already, but <laughs> I I think that they're going to give this guy a push just because they need. You know, they like the big men slapping meat matches like Big E and and Falter would be awesome, right? So I'm assuming that he's going to skyrocket once he gets to the main roster. Now, whether it stays that way for a long period of time, I guess we will see. But he's going to initially get a big push. Yep, I would say so, too. All right, uh, let's, I guess, start going over some of these shows, man. Um, Did you watch Raw at all? I I caught up on it the next day using the video version that F4W puts out, so I'm aware of most of what happened, but I did not see the entire show. I'll just go over the highlights. You tell me what you want to talk about. We'll pause for one of them that I was presenting a little bit earlier, but this one will kind of more or less by this, I would say, a little bit of NXT and a uh, little bit of impact, but mostly going over the Wednesday show and the Friday shows like we normally do. But, um, yeah, I didn't really care for the Dewdrop and Becky match versus Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan. I just don't care. That's just building up towards Dewdrop to be a person for Becky to go through at this pay-per-view of Royal Rumble to give her something to do until Mania, which will most likely be either what I'm assuming is Bianca Belair or Lita. Um, Kevin Owens and Damian Priest had a pretty good match. Did you see any of the highlights for that? I actually thought that they worked well, but too bad we won't see them in a program together anytime soon. 
I did. This is one of the matches I actually did watch on Monday night when me and you were texting. I, not to uh, offend any of the listeners out there, but I usually watch Raw the next day in its entirety if I can, or at least skip through. But this one I actually did catch. I thought it was hilarious with uh, Owens telling him how much he admired him and all the all of the build up to it. But in the in the uh, in the ring, there's that great part where Kevin Owens slaps the like chops the shit out of Damian Priest. <laughs> And then Damien Priest, you know, he has the snap character. And Kevin Owens is just like looks at him. He's like, whoa, 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 calm down. It's just a wrestling match. (laughs) (laughs) He's so good. And he calmed him down and they went back to the normal wrestling match. I thought that was a great spot that no one else has thought of, like trying to calm Damien Priest down in the middle of the match after you just chopped the hell out of him. Uh, It was a fun spot. I thought this was a really good match. They actually gave them 10 minutes, too, which I was surprised about. Yep. Um, and then uh, Finn Balor and uh, Austin Theory. So, okay. What the fuck was the damn promo? I don't know if you saw it with Vince and Austin Theory, where Vince basically said that if he didn't beat Finn Balor, he was going to beat his head in until he was just brains, blood, and and spit or whatever. Uh, you know, just the most craziest weird shit. It's still weird seeing Vince like this. Um because he's older and I think he's trying to go back to the character he was, but you know, he can't speak that well. It's just strange. And then this old man basically told this young kid that, you know, if he didn't beat the person and impress him, that he was going to bash his brains in. So Vince and Arn Anderson making really just violent (laughs) threats to fucking wrestlers, man. Jesus. I love the cell job from Austin theory though, in the face. I love their little weird relationship together. It's it's hilarious. But it wasn't just uh, Vince saying that he was going to beat the hell out of him. He also said he was going to take selfies over his body before sending it to his mom, which was oh, yeah, fucking that's wild. Right. <laughs> and what's really funny is right after this segment, that's when they decided to do their Martin Luther King Jr. tribute video. So just like... <laughs> Those two things back Tone to death. back were just r- random. Yeah, I, m- I might have spaced that out just a little bit. Maybe did it after the uh, Austin Theory match itself because it was really weird. Those two things just kind of bumping up e- against each other. I do like that WWE always does an MLK uh, tribute video. I think that's a, a very great thing to do. It was just weird in the position on the show <laughs> right after Vince McMahon's talking about sending selfies of Austin Theory's basically dead body to his mom. It was just a weird juxtaposition. I'm going to take selfies over your corpse and send them to your mother. Uh, but, you know, it motivated him. Uh, we talked about Finn, but they did have a really good match. Wasn't too long, but I mean, it thing is, I now just getting a little taste of him and Finn Balor of him and AJ Styles last week you know i want to see a full fucking match i don't want some bullshit ending like it happened with aj or something that's kind of shorter for a tv match but um yeah he kind of avoided the uh, coup de gras and hit a rolling drop kick and then got uh the atl for the win and hey man i'm happy that austin theory is getting a push he's another guy that i just think i don't know there's the cockiness level there i've i've compared it to you know, uh, Randy, when he was first catching on as a heel and also AJ Styles, when he was younger as a heel and just 
there's something about him besides even his wrestling that the stuff with Vince is great. It, it really is. Uh, Vince is a little bit awkward, but uh, it's still fun. And it's his facial expressions and his performance as much as his wrestling ability that's doing it for him. And I'm going to be for a Georgia boy. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I'm assuming, much like me, you're not surprised at all that Austin Theory is doing well here because I think he was one of the people we predicted to be a huge star in WWE, and it seems like uh, he's going to get that shot. Yep, and like you're talking about the land of the Giants trying to get back to there to go against AEW, and I agree with you. The one thing Austin Theory has going for him, I will say, compared to like someone like an Adam Cole, and I love Adam Cole. Austin Theory's smaller, but he's still stacked. He's still a... Uh, a pretty damn good framed kid, you know. She's got a good body on him. Which is like probably why Vince is. It's probably why Vince has taken an interest in him, so that they can just talk about how they're <laughs> stacking their proteins and shit before working out. Because uh, I've talked about the the wrestlers documentaries. Austin Theory was in one of those, and and his diet and exercise regimen, even when he, back when he was in Evolve, was fucking ridiculous. So. Uh, you know, Vince loves shit like that. And uh, there's worse people to pick than Austin Theory. He's a great in-ring. I Like you said, I think his facial expressions and and I, I actually think his promo works pretty good too, though we haven't seen that much of that yet. Um, but I'm enjoying this, and you would have to assume it eventually leads to Austin Theory getting fed up with Vince and maybe even, I, I, you know, I think the Randy Orton comparison you made is is good. I think Vince sees him as like a miniature John Cena. <laughs> yep. So we will see what they end up doing with Theory. And I'm I'm wondering, I mean, if Vince is involved, you got to think that Theory is going to have a singles match. It's just wonder who is the baby face on Raw they put against him. They could do Balor again, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. Um, AJ doesn't really have an opponent, and that would be a great match. Uh, Randy seems like he's going to be set for Riddle. But you would think that it might be someone like like he seems like he's the new legend killer, basically, for Vince. Like, you know, impress me by taking out Jeff Hardy and Finn Balor and AJ Styles. So who's going to be the next person? Could it be Big E? Just because Big E, I don't think Big E has anything set in stone, right? That would be a fun match. I know that that doesn't feed into the legend killer thing, but that would be a fun match. That would. I'd be down for that. Wherever they go, I'm glad Austin's getting a push. I hope I think him and Braun Breaker could have really great Braun as a babyface, him as a heel p- potential and uh, chemistry once Braun comes up to the main roster. That'd be great if they really want to heal Vince up for this, if he talks about changing NXT because it sucked, <laughs> and then he sends Austin Theory down there to try to take the belt. Um, That'd be a lot of fun. It's a little on the nose, but it also is going to give Vince a ton of heel heat and Austin Theory a ton of heel heat coming into NXT to try to take down Braun Breaker. I think that's a that would be a fun storyline. I don't know that they would do that, but that would be really, really great. And it also gives Braun Breaker exposure to the main roster if you build him into some kind of story like that. Yep, no, I agree. All right, Rhea Ripley um, and Nikki Ash. Who cares? I'm going past that fucking thing. Ugh, poor Bria. Let's get over this. Um, almost and, and Reggie, I'll just say, Chris, that just seeing the visual of the camera looking up at Reggie looking up at Omas was pretty fucking amazing. And seeing them 
how small he is compared to this dude. But it basically was him trying to go off the top rope, jumping into a double-handed choke slam, and ending one, two, three, which is what they should do. But I mean, whatever. Um, I thought this was a this was a fine squash match. My thing about Omos is he doesn't. He looks terrifying in size, but he also looks like he would be like the nicest guy ever if you talk to him. <laughs> I don't know what you can really do about that. Like if there's something he can do with his facial hair or, or like his ring attire. I don't know. He just looks like a kind of like a teddy bear or something. I don't <laughs> like just a really big guy you want to give a hug to. Less like Japan Andre and more like Princess Bride Andre. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh wow. <laughs> Anyone want a peanut? Yeah, and I, I don't, don't even mean it like that, but you, you get what I'm saying. Like, I, I don't yeah. know. I wish – I mean, he looks absolutely brutal in the ring. Like, his moveset is obviously there to show that he can destroy people. It's just like when he's standing over the body, I'm like, oh, he just looks so sweet. <laughs> I don't – it's like the opposite of, like, when you see Lance Archer right now where he looks like a crazy person, um, a big six-foot-seven crazy person. So it's – uh I like almost so far. I think he's still trying to do a little too much in the ring. I would dial the move set back a little bit, but for, for yep. the squash match, this is fine. The match before it uh, with Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, weren't they just a tag team? What the what the hell happened? Did I miss Nikki, something? That's... Nikki attacked her the week previous. Uh, she got fed up with being the person that would lose for them that she attacked Rhea Ripley. So Nikki, as playing a superhero for kids, is now a heel. Who's just fucking crazy, but instead of taking her back to crazy Nikki, she's superhero Nikki, and Rhea Ripley is the dumb baby face. Oh, uh, did they change her attire so that she's like a bizarro Nikki Ash character or something at least? Where there's like, you know, the good version and the bad version of the superhero? I kind of wish that they would just make her go fucking crazy again. I thought she had. <laughs> but then again, she got the belt this round, so I don't fucking know. <laughs> For two days. I like that Mustafa Ali wanted to be a vigilante character, and instead they, they basically gave it to Nikki Ash. They're like, no, you're the superhero. Fucking. You're going to be the leader of a terrorist organization, a cyber terrorist organization. Oh, all right. <laughs> I don't. I, I like Nikki Ash as a, a wrestler. Man, do you remember when she was in that group with Eric Young and she was like, Fucking monster uh, battling with Oscar and and uh, whoever they had at that time, Ember Moon, hitting cross bodies across the people from AOP and shit. Like I, was, I miss that Nikki. They Me too. they killed her hey, from the very day she debuted, and they stuck her with Alexa Bliss. I just knew I was like, poor Nikki. <laughs> Someone said, I, I don't remember who it was, Chris, but if they would have kept. Like, instead of doing the superhero thing, if they would have doubled down on her crazy Nikki angle, if she was paired with Rhea Ripley like that as a tag team, it would have been a hell of a lot better than what the fuck. I know I know they're trying to appeal to children by, well, now she's healed, so it doesn't fucking matter. But I, this is stupid. Bad experiment. Bad experiment. Bad. Yeah, and it, it obviously doesn't help Rhea Ripley, who I thought was being positioned to become like a Charlotte Flair, right? Yep. The fuck they're doing. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. 
they don't even have enough women on their roster to fill up a Royal Rumble. So obviously shit is not going great in that division. Uh, luckily for them, at least Bailey, I think is is going to be able to come back by Rumble. Yep, I think Bailey and Oscar are both going to be in that Rumble. I'm definitely thinking that. Um, yeah, we don't. We still don't know. I think 11 people that are going to be a part of that. Street Profits and the Mysterios, Dirty Dogs, Paula Cruz, and Aziz. This is actually a fun tag match, but it's one of those clusterfuck tag matches. You knew it was going to end, and it did with Cruz getting a spinebuster from Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford doing his ridiculous frog splash for the win. I mean, even though they don't have the belts, I feel like their strongest tag team is the Street Profits. But I will give – I got to say this, man. You know, it's a lot of pressure to be where he is, but Dominic, for not having, I mean, he was trained partially by Lance Storm, we know that, and by his father with basic stuff, but he didn't go to Performance Center. He went straight to the fucking main roster, and on the mic, he still got work to do. His dad, when he was younger, though, I mean, he might have had a more going for him being this small guy that could fucking hit people like a pinball, and no one had ever seen that before. But he wasn't the best on the mic. He actually, I think, developed better mic skills in the WWE later on in his career. And maybe with the Filthy Animals before that. But Dominic, mic stuff, you know, the in-ring stuff, I've been impressed. I think he's getting better. Yeah, and and me and you both have been proponents of this. He just needs time, right? Um, Obviously, he's not as good as his dad, but there's not very many wrestlers that are as good as Rey Mysterio Jr., especially Rey Mysterio Jr. in his fucking prime. So, um, I don't know. I think I think he's he's fine, right? Uh, <laughs> with Montez Ford, could you imagine if he was working at a GCW show and tried to hit that frog splash? He'd probably, like, get stuck in the ceiling. <laughs> God, he gets so much hype on that fucking thing. Like, if, he's, if he was at one of these, like... Uh, I don't want to say, well, actually, they did wrestle a bingo hall. Like a bingo hall, does he just hit the ceiling when he tries to hit that moon? <laughs> that, that fucking frog gotta splash. got to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. Yep. No, I agree. All right, and the last thing on Raw, Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins have their match. Um, and this, this was a really good match back and forth. And then, so, Sheldon Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, the week before we said that you know, they came up to Bobby and uh, were like, hey, what do you want us to do now? And he's like, we have nothing to do with each other. You guys helped me out recently and that's it. Uh, there is no more hurt business. Fuck off. So now we get a bullshit finish in the main event with Benjamin and Cedric pulling Lashley out. And then all of a sudden, as Rollin watches on with smiles all over his face, the Usos come in out of nowhere and give him a double super kick. And uh, yeah, like I said, they were having a good match before that. But, you know. I guess we got to do fuck finishes in the fucking main event of Monday Night Raw where I stay up three hours to get to there, Chris. Three hours. <laughs> Just watch it the next day, man. Let me watch the Hulu <laughs> versions again. Jesus. You, you should. I've been telling you this for years. Um, I thought the main event was fine just because – yeah, well, one, I just wouldn't book this match, but you had to protect Seth, and you also have to protect Bobby because they're in the two biggest matches. Um, and it, yeah, it did a dumb. decent, it did a decent job of setting up Seth versus Roman. 
So I, I don't. But it, it was a good match up until the finish, like you said. Oh, Lord. But yeah. Uh, I saw some stuff on NXT, but did you watch any of it? I watched the the Walter stuff, but I did not watch the rest of that show. I realized there I, was there even a Braun Breaker match on the show. That's the only reason I watched that show. No, I don't think Braun Breaker was on it at all. Uh, they started off with LA Knight. Uh, he got a restraining order from Grayson Waller. <laughs> and then Waller went against Dexter Loomis and I think beat him. Uh, yeah, uh, by a roll up. Um, the Dusty Tag things going on again. So I mean, listen to these wonderful tag team names, Chris. We got the Cree Brothers versus Josh Briggs and Brooks Jansen. Woohoo! Uh, Cree Brothers move on. They have potential, I will say. Cree Brothers have a t- potential. I think they are going for like a, I guess, a Steiner Brothers type of dynamic with them. But I've also seen them drop motherfuckers on their heads and realize that they're green as shit and a little bit snug as hell. And um, Briggs and fucking Jensen are just whatever. Um, it's a great, it's a great thing. Uh, Dante Chen came back. I was glad to see him in a match against uh, Guru Raj. I like Dante Chen. Uh, he's from Singapore. Uh, he's known as a Singaporean warrior, actually, and um, yeah, just uh, you know, good to have him back. I guess this is a really great review. I mean, just amazing stuff. Carmelo Hayes and uh, Cameron Grimes, uh, you know, uh, they crashed the Tony D'Angelo memorial service, and uh, that was whatever. Oh, God, Ivy Nile, Kaylee Ray, I don't care. Anything else? Uh, Legado del Fantasma lost to Malik Blade and Edris Anoff in the next thing for the Dusty Tag Team Classic. Two guys they just fucking put together took out one of their only actual tenured past champion tag team in Legado del Fantasma, and they're not in the fucking tournament. I have no idea what they're going to do either. Uh, Dakota Kai beat someone pretty easily, and then we had Roderick Strong versus Walter. This is this is a uh, fucking situation where commercials and stupid bullshit no one cares about uh just presented eight minutes on this match and it was really good i wanted more of it and i don't know will we see uh Roderick strong anymore i mean is it over now with him chris walter won and he said he's gunter that's what he said afterwards and that's where all this started so i brought you up to date there's nxt yeah, so I watched that match. I watched the Walter match, um, which I thought was pretty good. But much like you, and and also like the Champa Braun Breaker match, there's they put like ten minutes in front of this match. They could have easily removed from the show and just let them have a longer match. But what's a long uh, match? <laughs> it's what NXT's built around. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, I mean, good match for the time it was given, and uh, we kind of, I guess, already gave our opinions on the whole Gunther thing, so uh, if you didn't watch this NXT show, maybe watch the Roddy Walter match and skip the entire rest of it, much like I did. Yeah. Yeah, excellent shortened match. I want to see something else from them. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if Roderick Strong's all of a sudden found out as being one of the uh, teachers in the back. Um 
God. Like Timothy Thatcher. Was. Why was he the why is he the one guy that chose to stay there? Oh no, <laughs> man. God damn. Out of that group. Uh I like Roddy I like Roddy a lot, and you're probably not too far fetched of him becoming a trainer, but uh that doesn't necessarily bode well either <laughs> based on the last set of releases they just had. It means you're one step away. Ah, uh, that sucks. By the way, there's a great uh, remix edition uh, taking the music of the Undisputed Era and putting Adam Cole's uh, vocals from his intro on top of it. Look on um, look on YouTube. Everyone will like it, I promise. I wish that could be their actual theme music in AEW. Uh, all right. So AEW started off with a bang, I would say, by playing Wild Thing and playing Mr. G. Cena Moxley. He said Moxley. He didn't say Cena that time. The Dapper Yapper said that, uh, you know, we have Eddie Kingston who is behind Mox and they're just, you know, just people are going nuts. And uh, Mox gets in the ring, starts cutting a promo. And right before he can say a goddamn thing, someone in the audience, apparently from the people that were there, Waited because people want to hear what Moxley says, so they get really fucking quiet and hear this asshole in the audience say, get that drunk piece of shit off the stage. To which Moxley, on the mic, not censored, on TBS, second week, says, fuck off and get security, get that piece of shit out of here. So, hey man, I love John Moxley. Before we even get into the rest of the promo, uh... (laughs) I was telling you about this, and you hadn't start yet, and I didn't realize it, but um, John Moxley starting up a promo like John Moxley only could, Chris. <laughs> yeah, he told the guy to go fuck himself, which is great. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's – why would you do that? I don't know. People are ter- – there's people that are terrible out there, I guess. This guy probably agrees with, <laughs> with Bubba Ray. He needs the, he needs the apology, I guess. I guess so. Uh, I just loved his uh, promo itself, man, just about this being about a demon that was chasing him within his dream, and he realized the demon was real within life. I thought it was very inspirational, and the amount of aggression, like I said, Moxley's intensity, man, reminds me a lot of Randy Savage in the sense that they're so convincing uh, with their intensity levels, especially where they get to, like from the beginning of the, because all right, so you talk about Macho Man, uh, yeah, he could start off like this, uh huh, and he keeps on growing, and then you know he's talking about fucking killing a person, and Moxley kind of has that same quality where, you know, he starts off soft, but he gets more and more aggressive, and I thought it was, I thought it was a great promo, man, uh, from the heart, good stuff. Uh, what'd you think? I agree with you. I thought it was a great promo. I think he touched on, you know, thanking everyone that supported him through this time. And then uh, I love the ending where he was talking about now I'm more free than I'm now more than ever. I'm truly free. And then he just ends it by saying, all I drink is blood. (laughs) He's like, I'm thirsty. And now all I drink is blood, which is I love his strut, man. His little Axl Rhodes DDP strut that he does. Shit's great. Yeah. I'm happy to have Moxley back, and it seems like he's in a good place. And uh, I just want to know what's next for Moxley. Who's he going to be feuding with? 
I think we got hinted last night at Rampage, but we'll get there for sure. Um, all right, so next we had MJF uh, with a message for Mr. CM Punk. Um, you know, and he had Wardlow and Sean Spears with him. I just love the amount of rage that you can see Wardlow like having um, while <laughs> like his blood's boiling while MJF is talking. But he said that uh, CM Punk uh, got a tainted victory by grabbing Wardlow's tights and rolling him up last week uh, instead of taking the loss on chin like a man. He says a uh, more seasoned veteran, uh, would, which is not Wardlow's fault, uh, would kick out. And then says he's actually wanting an apology to give an apology to Wardlow. He says he lost his cool on him last week and that, you know, it's it's not okay. He tells Wardlow that one thing he can't allow, however, is for him to put his hands on him. He tells him a financial punishment uh, will happen and then vows that Sean Spears will get the job done, unlike Wardlow against Punk tonight. He wishes Wardlow a happy birthday and says he's better than you and you know it. So this is this keeps on going, man. The tension's getting to the point where it's about to break. I really feel like they're gonna pull the trigger whenever they do the punk MJF match to then turn the feud from that to Wardlow against MJF. But I like this stuff, I really do. Uh Wardlow's intense. He's a beast. And MJF's always great in the mic, Chris. Yeah, I, I have I like this a lot actually, especially with Sean Spears kind of being thrown in there as a goofy buffer to try to calm down Wardlow. It's been really fun to watch, and I'm excited for when Wardlow finally does snap. I kind of wish it would have happened sooner, but uh, at least they're making it kind of around Punk, so it ends up being it's going to end up being a bigger deal, I think, once it finally does happen. Yep, absolutely. All right, we had um, Adam Cole and Britt Baker going against Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander. This was a pretty interesting match. I think the ending really comes down to the fact that both Statlander and Orange Cassidy are both known for, you know, you think they're done and they're not. And I love the stereo uh, Canadian Destroyers, uh, the one that, Actually looked pretty vicious that Britt did to Chris Lander on the outside and Adam Cole getting his Panama Sunrise. Wasn't a big fan, I got to admit, of – I know it's Orange Cassidy, and this is kind of part of his shtick, but him getting out of that move. Um, but whatever. You know, Adam Cole, like always, sold it like a million bucks with his facial expression of just, how? How did he do it? How am I going to put him away? And uh, would end with them setting up a table. I guess the whole, just like the announce table, if the table's already set up, you know, you didn't technically use a weapon. I don't know how the fuck that works. But, uh, you know, no uh, Orange Cassidy did not go through the table. Uh, you know, Adam Cole went to go nail him. Instead, he hit his lovely girlfriend, Britt Baker, uh, and Orange Cassidy felt terrible. You see Adam Cole literally seething in the background, waiting for Orange Cassidy to look at him. Um, and he gets him with his strike to the back of the head before he could even get around one, two, three. And it was like, he was right outside looking at Britt Baker, but there is a part in the match that I just remembered where, uh, Adam Cole got the referee to come back in so he could pin like 
of course he's going to get to Britt, but like, ref, get the fuck in the ring and let me get this win over Orange Cassidy. So I don't know if this is going to lead to another one-on-one match. I'm assuming that's the case. But um, pretty good match. Good stuff. Some of it was a little bit sloppy. and kind of, I mean, that it's just going to happen in matches like this. Um, but, you know, pretty good ending. Yeah, I thought the ending was awesome. It was kind of crazy that Orange Cassidy accidentally punched Britt Baker. I like the setup for that. And then uh, Adam Cole being just a complete asshole and low-blowing him and hitting the boom for the That's win. That's right. Was, uh, that was the setup. Was pretty sick. Like, I like the finish of this match a lot. And generally, I don't like stuff like this. But because it's Orange Cassidy accidentally hitting Britt Baker, um, one, because Orange Cassidy is he's kind of booked as a super, super nice guy, even though he never says anything, you know, if you really think about it. So him to accidentally hit a girl, he was, he looked fucking distraught. I thought he sold it well, as much as orange Cassidy can sell something with that character. And then for Adam Cole, just to straight hit him in the dick and hit him in the back of the head with the hit him with a boom for the win. I thought that was a fun segment. Also Statlander looked pretty good in this match. And I hope that she gets a title run at some point. I think she's a pretty fun character. Me too. Um, all right. So things are heating up with the inner circle, man. Uh, you know, Jericho starts talking about uh, the match that he has with uh, Santana and Ortiz coming up against uh, Dino Garcia and 2.0. And then he starts going after Eddie Kingston. Um, also lets everyone know, uh, telling him GFY. That's now Chris Jericho's new thing. He also uh, is trying to get it trademarked and put on T-shirts, apparently. So go fuck yourself is what GFY means. But uh, Satan and Ortiz were not happy about this. They said that they have a lot of respect for the Mad King and that he's helped them in certain places. And he just wants to see them succeed in the tag division. And maybe Chris Jericho is the person that's holding them back. Uh, and uh, that was kind of the way that you know, was left because they said, do you feel me? And they walked off and Jericho says, no, I don't feel you. And that was it. So building up into this pretty well, but, uh, GFY, Chris. I, I, so I forgot that he had said this in the promo and I just saw the shirts that said GFY. And I was like, Giffy, what? (laughs) I didn't, I didn't get it. It totally went over my head. Um, this was fine, which is surprising because I like all of the people involved, but this was not Chris Jericho or Eddie Kingston's best promo efforts. I think putting those two together, I just kind of expect a, a, a lot more. But I guess we'll we'll see. This could be a long three-month process between these these guys. So I'm going to give it time to play out before I condemn it. And if this leads, like I said, to Prime Powerful – branching off of Jericho, I think that's good because if you're talking about top tag teams and guys that have been there for a while that have been doing four on fours and team battles and whatnot, we need to get them back in the fucking tag division. It's a little ridiculous. We also, we also need the death of the inner circle because having Sammy Guevara still tied to that, I think is could to me is hurting him to some extent. Oh, and, and uh, like I've said, man, it's really taking Jake Hager down, you know? Like, when's he going to be <laughs> able to get his giant push? 
Maybe he's going to show up at the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Jack Swagger with the racist uh, renamed uh, fucking what? What the hell? Uh, God damn it. We his, uh, the people. <laughs> no, yeah, but what was his uh, his? God dang it, the Memphis legend. Um, and they renamed him for some fucking reason. His manager. Uh, God, Dutch now Mantel. I'm blanking at his. Yeah, Dutch Mantel, and I can't remember what he was, what his character was called. It's great having someone that could be right up there with Triple H and JBL as the uh, most racist character in WWE history, or at least it, it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be racist to begin with, and then they were like, you know, it'd be awesome. Let's create this like international supergroup and throw Alberto Del Rio in here, which made it even weirder. Like, I don't know what the hell they were going for with that. Typical WWE. Uh, I thought it was supposed to be like a, you know, no step on snake, uh, don't tread on me kind of mentality character. And then oh. it got weird. Yeah, just strange stuff, man. Um, Adam Cole, uh, I forgot about this. So hopefully this is going to be the end, end of it next week because he basically had a really good promo against um, Orange Cassidy, and he said he's going to destroy his pathetic career and said that he talked to Tony and they're going to do a lights-out match at AEW Beach Break. This will be the first AEW lights-out match since the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa one. So this should be a really good match, man. They're probably going to do so many crazy, stupid things, and there's going to be way too many kickouts from both of them since they're both known for doing that. But should be fun and probably the end of this feud between Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. I'm really curious to see what Orange Cassidy looks like in a hardcore match. Are they both going to juice? I've never seen either one of them do it. So strange. But I'm didn't down. Didn't he uh, do that? Didn't he, didn't he juice with the, in the Chris Jericho match? In one of the Chris Jericho matches. He might have. Because they had kind of a hardcore match before the Mimosa match or whatever. Um, Yeah, this is going to be... I think this will be great because it gives Orange Cassidy a chance to build up the intensity that is the light switch for his character, which is some of the best stuff he has in the ring. And also, it gives Adam Cole to be dastardly Adam Cole. It's a shitty match if you're Orange Cassidy because Adam Cole has like eight fucking people on his side. So I'm assuming this is going to build up to uh, uh, the best friends versus. Yeah. Everyone's going to be out there unless, unless they, they uh, make a stipulation, you know, that it's going to be the bucks, red dragon, Brandon cuttlefish. And then also on the other side, you're going to have the best friends. Rocky Romero probably will be there. Cause I think he's teaming with, uh, he's teaming with Trent next week. We're getting Rapongi versus uh, the Young Bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is um, awesome. Huge Rapongi. Great. Too. The Brandon Cutler is he just kind of like Pat Patterson, like he's like a stooge character. He's pretty great at it if that's what he's going for. He's a stooge. Him and him and um uh uh Naka Nakazawa. They're they're kind of like the uh, Briscoe and Patterson. But they're just not Briscoe and Patterson in reality. Um, uh, it is funny though. It, oh, it's hilarious. I, it's grown. The, it's especially Brandon Cutler. Nakazawa, he's it's fine, but Brandon Cutler is pretty fucking funny. Dude, that was that was really funny when when Rocky and fucking Trent 
Rocky's like telling fucking Brandon to like videotape them. And Trent's like, man, don't talk to him like that, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, and like, that was, that was a pretty funny fucking segment when they called out the Bucks. That should be a fun match. But it also, Adam Cole and, uh, Adam Cole going against fucking Orange Cassidy, lights out match. That should be a lot of fun too. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about both of those matches. And, uh, uh, Landon Cutler is pretty great. Landon, you stupid idiot. God dang it. All right, Sean Spears. <laughs> CM Punk. Um, this was great. This is exactly what Sean Spears should be doing. Friday, he got a dominant win. He looked like a badass. He comes out. You know, CM Punk comes out. And MJF gets behind the fucking commentary. And within two sentences, right when the fucking bell rings, you know, uh, CM Punk grabs up Spears, gives them, you know, the GTS, and pins him. And, of course, MJF is fucking furious about this. Um, MJF acts like he's going to do something. And uh, Punk turns to climb the ropes to celebrate his victory. MJF hits the ring like he was about to hit him from behind. And then he, he was so close to grabbing him, he got his scarf. But MJF got outside, ran away like a coward, and heads back to the back. And CM Punk's intensity and his facial expressions, I can't wait to see CM Punk get his hands on this motherfucker. So, great segment, I would say. Yeah, and I think they've done a great job of MJF, I I, I don't want to say pulling his best Miz impersonation, but, but being a great chicken shit heel. Right. And I think that's I think that's been a real fun story. I do wish this would have been an actual match, not just a squash. Watches. I think CM Punk and Sean Spears would have probably had a really good match. That's the one thing you can't. No one could really debate about Sean Spears is he is really good in the ring. Yep. And uh, isn't Spears's finisher also the go to sleep, or was at one point in time? I'm not sure. I can't remember. I think he. I think that's what he was doing and in wwe it's been so long since no well know, he's yeah. been doing aw aw from what i remember is the uh death valley driver i think right because okay. he, he did someone on the outside last time and threw him in for wardlow to beat and then wardlow gave him five fucking power pumps <laughs> i'm still confused on how that was in a dq right after the dq before it but uh, i guess i'll let it go uh, but I like this. I, I'm excited to see CM Punk finally get his hands on the dastardly MJF and excited for Wardlow to powerbomb the absolute fuck out of MJF, which I'm assuming is probably going to happen around the same exact time. All right. So we have the gun club. Uh, Christian was making a uh, statement and then the guns kind of just, you know, first started giving him shit. Chris Christian suggested that if they wanted to match, against the Jurassic Express to like, you know, for them to get a couple wins because they can get a couple wins and build a good rep. But the whole thing, just like Billy Gunn, you just can't ever get that one big win. And then Billy Gunn start to beat the crap out of Christian and his sons. And this would kind of lead to what looks like we're going to get three on three Christian and jungle. Well, based on rampage last night, uh, Christian and jungle boy against uh, the gun club uh, with Billy and his sons. I think Billy's been really smart with his sons. He's obviously been training him still. Uh, they're getting trained also at the Nightmare Factory, but I know his, their dad is very hands-on. He has not let them really do that much on television 
And I feel like now he's feeling like they're ready. So, you know, they're good heels. They're little shits. You want them to, they're kind of nowhere near the level, but like an MJF in the concept where you want to see them get their asses kicked. So I like this. This is something for everyone to do. And it will lead probably to, you know, Jurassic Express getting a good win against the uh, gun club once they go for that. If there was ever a question on how over Dan Housen is, just look at the fact that during this segment, you could hear the crowd chanting ass boys. <laughs> yep. Which is what Dan Housen calls the gun club. Oh, man. I don't know if they're going to embrace that or not, but it's fucking hilarious. Um, I, I I think this will be a pretty fun match. Billy Gunn and Christian locking up. It feels it. <laughs> this 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 is a throwback, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I look forward to this. And and Billy Gunn's been decent considering his age and stuff in the ring, so it should be a fun match. I it, I think this is something to do, right? I don't think that the Gun Club has a chance of winning this just because I. I don't know that that's the first title defense you want Jurassic Express to have. Yeah, that's a very, very, very good point. Um, I don't know. This also goes and raises the point of the idea of having a, uh, whatchamacallit, a three-man tag title division. It this This is even more stuff. I mean... There's so many groups that have three people and it just seems like you would utilize a title division because you have so many of those options to have as a main storyline focused around those said titles. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. The way they've been pushing Darby and Sting as a tag team, I feel like that might be the match that they set up for the first Jurassic Express title. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. I'd be completely down for that. Now, what do you do? Do you keep it on uh, on uh, Jurassic Express, or do you put it on Darby and Sting for a little while? I think you keep it on Jurassic Express. You could you can always have someone cost Darby and Sting the match, right? That's a good I don't point. think they necessarily need. I don't think they need tag belts, right? So, um, yeah, but it would be a big moment for Jurassic Express to get a win over. Darby and Sting, who I would say are in the top five most over people on the entire show. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So who do you think this next person's uh, one of the top guys over at the show? Uh, Cody Rhodes. I'm just going to say before we talk about his promo. I, I have to give him credit, man. It's pretty masterful that at the beginning you have that. Deep of booze and. You know, he kind of pulled a little bit of a John Cena, I will, and and where where John Cena, when he was getting booed the worst, he would come out and kind of address what's going on in the show overall to kind of get everyone pumped up and then get it back to him by the end of it. And I think Cody kind of did that. But, dude, I people were fucking booing him and I don't I couldn't exactly hear what they were calling him. I think there was a Royal Rumble chant at one time. Uh, but by the end of it, Cody got a lot of them on his side and he's been doing that. And it's, you know, I, I, my biggest thing with this promo, and I have a little bit of the transcript of what he said, and we'll talk about that. I don't need to fucking use 
or him to use the world word heel. Just you don't have to fucking use the exact word. It drives me nuts. It's like you're not turning heel, you know, going to the dark side. You're a fucking Star Wars fan. Use something better than that. It's just lazy and it does expose shit that doesn't need to. To me, at least. As one person that's trying to grab that one last thing, don't fucking do that. But I thought this was a really good promo, and it was so awkward at the beginning, I wanted to shut it off. So I'm impressed that Cody was able to turn around some of the crowd and also position this to have a ladder match against Sammy Guevara, very much in the spirit of Shawn Michaels and Razor with the two IC belts. Put the two TNT belts up there, and the best man wins, and I really actually hope that Cody had a change of heart maybe and that Sammy's going to win that match. But we'll see. It's going to be on this next Wednesday on the next episode of Dynamite. Uh, like I said, I have some of the words of the promo. What do you think overall about it? It started out kind of bad, like you said, but he turned that thing around and got the crowd into it. And uh, he, I, I know you're going to go into some of the transcript, but my favorite line from the promo that I actually threw in my notes was before there was a forbidden door, I was the one that built it. I thought that was a pretty great line in the promo, but I agree with you on the uh, saying heel kind of is blurring the line of kayfabe and wink, wink, nod, nod at the crowd, which AEW sometimes does a little too much of. It, it takes you out of the moment of this is a this is a show with good guys and bad guys when you start doing shit like that. Yep, I agree with you. It's still, it's still real to me, damn it. It is still real to me. All right, so some of the stuff that he said, this is uh, courtesy of Wrestling Headlines. Uh, he just starts off with people that are just booing him, and he says, what do you want to talk about? He goes on to talk about being reminded of the man who gave one of the most important addresses for our sport. He said it was the first hint of a revolution he says he's talking about cm punk and his classic pipe bomb he mentions that someone told him to save this promo but because he doesn't know if he'll get the chance he's going to do it now so this was basically i guess cody's variation of the pipe bomb but he does have a good point because he mentions things that punk brought up in the pipe bomb uh and says he never really got to do any of them He's such as going to Ring of Honor, uh, teaming, you know, with the, the the people there, possibly going to New Japan, you know, all the things that Punk said he might possibly do, he did. Uh, he gets angry uh, it's, and says, uh, as he emotionally explains that he won't turn heel to the audience, he said it becomes the fans cheer uh, that cheered him when he most needed them. He brings up the forbidden door and says, like you said, that he built the forbidden door. Um, and people start at that point kind of changing around. Uh, he talks about Reed Dragon and Young Bucks nearly starting a second Wednesday Night War last week. He talks about his real life friend Ricky Starks getting into a feud with Jay Lethal. Uh, he puts over Starks, he puts over Lethal, you know. Uh, and I'm glad that he did that, especially with Lethal, saying that he has one of the best cutters, that if you get that on you, it's over. Um, uh, he brings up Malachi Black, puts him over, but also says that, you know, to watch out basically for him and said that he brought in someone that 
has a lot of nerve coming to AEW with the name Brody. Um, and then kind of muck mocks the whole Walter thing, uh, saying that we're not going to change people's names as they come over here. And then positions it to Sammy Guevara and says, let's have a ladder match, who, which he already brought in the ring. And that's what it was all getting to. Let's put the two belts above the ring and have a ladder match next week on AEW Beach Break. But uh, like I said, really good promo. Good stuff from Cody. He hit on a lot of things. Um, what what did you think about a lot of the points that he made, Chris? I think they're all valid. And I guess with him saying heel in the context of what it was, it's it, he's trying to draw from that CM Punk thing. I do not consider this his, like, pipe bomb necessarily. But uh, his, I think it was great. Like you said, he put a lot of people over within the promo. I do think Sammy Guevara should win this match just because he didn't really get a reign and Cody doesn't need the belt. And is Cody going to be there full time? And exactly. it's supposed to be it's supposed to be defended on every show. I thought that was the gimmick of this title, at least when Cody first got it. That was kind of the gimmick. So um, I would rather see Sammy Guevara in that role than Cody. I think you could use Cody in bigger feuds. And if he's talking about CM Punk, that might be one you would want to go to is CM Punk and Cody Rhodes. You both cut good promos, can work in the ring, have good matches. And you can have Sammy Guevara kind of being like your intercontinental champion, a guy that's going to have great matches with whoever you want to put him against, which there is a lot of talent on this roster. Some of the ones he named, like, hey, Jay Lethal versus Sammy Guevara for the title, that'd be fun. There's a ton of shit they can do. And I think he did a good job of just pretty much putting over everyone he talked about. He did he didn't really deter or, you know, cut anyone down, which a lot of wrestlers do. They they will and you see this in promos all the time. If you make the other people look weak, you're going against it in turn makes you look weak. And he Cody did a really good job in this promo of not doing that. Like giving you a good idea of what the landscape is and how talented people are, which I thought was was great. And I'm excited for that match. It should be fucking insane. What, what what I'm wondering, and maybe I'm just thinking a little bit too outside of the box, but is there more meaning than him kind of alluding in this, talking about the pipe bomb promo, and then saying, Punk didn't do any of that shit. I did. Is this, especially if we end up having the MJF Punk blow off before the next pay-per-view, which I don't see them doing, but it's still March. But is this potentially whenever they pull the trigger and that's over with MJF and Punk for Cody and, and and Punk to have some interaction and kind of Punk to tell him off for a future feud? Because that seems like it would be a really fucking good feud. Do you think that kind of planted anything for a potential feud in the future, Chris? I think that's exactly what they were going with, and and that kind of goes back to to what i was saying i have no i think sammy guevara should actually win here because you can easily just go to cody rhodes versus cm punk yeah Um, and they're both so good at promos that they can just continuously plant these seeds until they actually pull the trigger on the feud regardless of how long they want to run with the mjf uh, punk stuff yep i agree with you all right. Well, we had a thing with Jay Cargill and NJ. We'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to their actual matches, promoting that for last last night's Rampage. 
Uh, we had the introduction of a new badass tag team. So this is actually going to be their music. I don't know if this is going to be Brody Lee's music, but I, I'm pretty sure Malachi went online and assured everyone that his entrance in music is for his solo efforts. But uh, still pretty good music anyways. They look fucking scary. Brody wearing his, his stocking mask, you know, black stocking mask uh, with the holes in it for the eyes and Malachi wearing whatever the fuck he wears. I mean, these they destroyed the varsity blondes basically. Uh, and even a point where I guess they did do this on purpose or maybe they're reacting off of it, but the slip that Pillman do, he was going to do it again. And he, he second guessed himself because of Brody King and got like intimidated and then was taken advantage of pretty much throughout the rest of the match. But it wasn't about the match, Chris Malachi black and Brody King pretty easily won. But Pac comes on, the bastard, like, you know, has his little blindfold on, and he says that he's going to come for the House of Black. He shows a Justice XI card and says he supposes this is the moment he expects him to bow down and call him master. He tells Malachi that he's going to make a martyr out of him. So I'm excited about this. Uh, I want to see... I definitely want to see, especially with Phoenix being out for a little while, love to see Pac and Pentagon go against Malachi and Brody, but I'm really looking forward to a structured Pac-Malachi match potentially at this next pay-per-view in March. Yeah, and uh, I think the the Pac videos they've been doing recently have been great. Fucking awesome. But is he going to wrestle with the blindfold on? <laughs> I want him he's to. Gonna, he's going to be Daredevil. Uh, I'm excited. I, I like the idea of doing Pentagon and, and Pac tag team versus Brody and Alistair first and then building up to the Alistair Black, the bastard and Alistair Black match. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yep, I agree. All right, so we have now Lance Archer. So Jake's back. But Dan Lambert's now positioned with him. Jake cuts a really good promo, and yeah, I, I'm I'm really confused. This was all building up towards the the match with Lance Archer and Frankie Kazarian. Um, the question is with this match, and I thought it was a good match, but a lot of people are saying that Frankie, there was too much offense with Frankie Kazarian. Uh, and that Lance Archer should have steamrolled him. I don't know if I agree with that, Chris. Uh, I thought they had a pretty good match, and Lance Archer went over with the blackout. Um, but, I mean, Frank Kazarian, Kazarian is still a fucking a legend and still a really good wrestler. Like, like do you squash Bobby Eaton with, against a big guy? You know what I'm saying? During the Nitro days? I feel like I'd give him a match. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know why people would be complaining about that. They gave us a really good match. I would rather see a really good match with Archer and Kazarian than just a squash. Like, you know, if they just wanted him to squash a guy, give him, like, one of Wardlow's opponents or something. Uh, Frankie Kazarian, like you said, he's a, he's a legend. 
and uh, is kind of a darling that people want to see give push. So if they're ever going to do that in the future, having him just get demolished by Lance Archer is not the best idea. So I had no problem with this. And I thought it was a really fun match. Who the hell's his manager, Jake Snake Roberts or Dan Lambert? I, if I was going to make a bold prediction, it's going to be something where Lance Archer does switch sides and then Jake the Snake finds another guy. And if you had to randomly look around the free agency pool in the landscape of the wrestling business, maybe that's Bray Wyatt. Ooh. Oh, don't 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 say that type of shit unless it's actually going to happen, bro. So now I just. Well, they've openly no, said no, they want wanted that. to work together. Yeah, I mean, they've openly said they wanted to work together forever. And if you're going to bring in Bray anyways, this is a good way to set that up where Lance Archer snaps and fucking. I mean, not that Jake is going to take a bunch of bumps or anything, but you could do something interesting there. And then Jake says, all right. And then goes and gets his guy. Right. So he smokes a cigarette. Think, and He's like. I'll take a flat back. <laughs> Pretty much. But you get what I'm saying. I, I think that that's somewhere they could go with the storyline. So I do see that I, the dissension between Lance Archer and Jake the Snake seems to be a thing that's happening. And that would be a fun match. Lance Archer versus Bray Wyatt in the fucking Haas match. Hell yeah, give me that. I, I love that idea for sure. But after the match, people were, you know, chanting for cowboy shit. Dan Lambert grabbed the mic. He's about to put him down. And then Archer took the mic. Um, and then he said he's sick about hearing about cowboy shit. Um, and then he said that he's going to show them real cowboy shit. Uh, Archer grabs Kazarian and takes him up the ramp. He has evil intentions. But Hangman Page runs up, gets right in his face, and bitch slaps him. And then they start beating the shit out of each other. Um Archer looks to hit a, a blackout finisher on the champ. Instead, Hangman escapes and looks for a buckshot lyric. He doesn't get it, but he does get the better of Archer as he remains in the ring standing tall while Archer doesn't. So, good build up towards this, man. I mean, I don't think this is going to make it to the pay-per-view. No offense to Lance Archer. I just feel like they're going to position something else, and this is kind of like you said. I mean, if they were to – if this doesn't happen and – he turns on Jake and Jake brings Bray against Lambert with fucking Archer for the pay-per-view. That would be awesome or something like that, maybe. But either way, I think Adam Page is going to have another opponent uh, in March for their next pay-per-view. But this is fun in the meantime. And if anything, maybe it, it's starting to give Hangman Page a little bit of an edge because the aggression is a hell of a lot better than the... Uh, um, I don't know. I don't even know what this. What, what the fuck is the millennial cowboy? What, what, is he just, you know, just happy to be there? I guess. I don't. I don't know. They took a lot of his character away once they decided that he wasn't going to be like the John Wayne, have a drink at the bar, then kick your ass, cowboy. So he's going to have to. He's got to develop the character. I, I also think it's way too soon to take the title off of him. So yep. I'm assuming that he will retain. And and the biggest reason is eventually Kenny Omega is going to come back, right? And I'm assuming that that's the first match that he's going to have back as a, as a rematch for the title, considering how long he held it. 
and they already have the built-in feud with the Omega and, and Page, so I think he'll probably hold it until Kenny comes back. Yep, I agree. I'm going to throw these three things kind of together, but uh, Dante Martin, uh, he's got Lee Moriarty and Matt Seidel. He is wanting to position themselves against Team Taz and is basically proposing the three of them versus Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, um, and I guess Hook. So they're going to lose. Uh, legit Layla Hirsch, Attack Red Velvet, and Chris Statlander. They're in the back. They weren't getting along. The Red Velvet had uh, Chris Statlander's back, so legit Layla Hirsch had had it. She attacked Red Velvet when uh, Statlander went to do something. She sucker punched her and left them both laying. So, And Sky Blue got destroyed by Serena Deeb, who basically torched her. Or not torched her, tortured her. But uh, good stuff for Serena Deeb to build her up. She's definitely seeming like one of the top females in the women's division, especially when it comes to credibility with wrestling, Chris. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I I loved this was this is what I assume it's like if you trained at the hard school of wrestling, because <laughs> that's what happened to Sky Blue. She just got twisted. Um, before that, with the Red Velvet Chris Statlander stuff, I like they are putting focus on Layla Hirsch because I think that she is is can be a great talent if used properly. So I want to see more with her, especially now that you have two. Uh, women's title belts I feel like there's a lot you can do with her and I, I'm glad to see her get more actual TV time and the same with Serena Deeb yep man we just have like a bunch of segments now we still got more before this main event so I'm gonna put these three together again Chris we, we um, have my favorite sec- segment coming up where Andrade continuously is still trying to buy people and saying, looky, which is my favorite fucking thing in the entire world. Yep. Right yeah. The, there's a new name for the Hardy office. But before that, Ethan Page uh, basically said he called out Moxley. They had a match last night. That's what it was building to. Uh, good promo, heel promo, but Ethan Page is known for that. Uh, and then Sammy kind of does this weird thing where he's flipping through cue cards and basically accepting the match and taking shots at Cody. But the Hardy family office gets a modified name and a new majority owner. My God, can you imagine the butcher, Andy Williams, who looked just completely just over this whole entire fucking thing. He's on a stair next to the blade and alley on the top of it. And his band, uh, due to their lead singer, Keith Buckley issues with him. They broke up every time I die. And now, he gets to sit in the hallway at the top in the fucking background of the Hardy family office uh, for this new discovery of, of Andrade uh, being put in the fold. Um, look, I love Andrade and all this, and I love his looky line. Uh, how the hell does this make financially any sense for any of the members to be a part of this? Uh, so basically, Hardy retains 49%. Uh, while uh, 51 goes to majority share of Andrade, and he gets, and basically Hardy has to then split that off between everyone else. So Andrade's just gonna fucking milk Matt Hardy's group dry, and that's where they're going, is what I'm assuming. But um, yeah, just uh, who the hell in the Hardy office, Chris, is benefiting from this? I don't know, but I still love it. 
I'm not gonna lie. Like I like I like that they're giving Andrade something to do. And it's really funny. And I like that he's still out here looking for that little boy, which is Darby Allen, to try to buy him, I guess. <laughs> which is it's it's a it's a weird story, but yeah, if you if you're a big fan of the butcher, this doesn't necessarily do anything for him. But maybe we'll have a tag tournament coming up soon and they can get some wins there. Uh after watching Impact on Thursday. God, I would love a tag team with Joe Doring and the Butcher. That would be like the fucking big hoss tag team I've been waiting for for a while. That'd be a lot of fun. That would definitely be a lot of fun. So we have our our match, man. Um, Chris, how old is Sting? 176 years old. He's 62. You're 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 close. <laughs> you wouldn't Damn, be able to know it. I should have went one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Price is right style. You can tell Sting's not used to table spots and jumping on people through them because he actually put himself through a table. Um, but still, I mean, this is a lot of fun. The Acclaim versus Darby Allen and Sting. And this just was nuts going everywhere. What This this was a hardcore match, right? Uh. <laughs> I mean, it kind of turned into one, but I don't think it was supposed to be, right? I think this is just one of the the refs are shitty. Okay, well, that's good. But either way, it was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah, I'm looking all... up. I'm look. I'm looking at the observer review of this right now, and it doesn't have that listed as like a special stip match or anything. Neither does does uh, Bleacher Report, so that's good. Um, I thought it was because a lot of it was outside and shit, so. I mean, that is the biggest spot is that on the, you know, ring level, we had the table, the timekeeper's table that always gets destroyed, including by John Moxley getting punched by uh, Ethan Page last night, but we'll get there. Um, But Sting was going to jump off of it and put Max Caster through the table. And I don't know where the fuck Max was. He was like, not in the right place. Sting then put himself through the damn table on top of Max Caster. But everything else was a lot of fun. Sting's like fucking 97 years old, and he's still able to perform to this level. And Darby Allen Sting beat the acclaim, and you know that was a uh, that was it. That was a little fun ending. How much more shelf life yeah. did the two of these guys have, Chris, together as a tag team? Tag team unit, whatever. I, I guess as long as they won, because people aren't tired. Is anyone actually tired of it yet? Because I. Everything they do together has been fun. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I guess as long as they want it to be a thing. If it gets stale, I don't know, bringing down Dan Housen (laughs) to hang out with Sting and Derby. That'd be funny. Oh, my God, that would be amazing. Uh, But, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I think that they can stay together long enough to win the tag titles. So however long that is. Yeah. I liked the uh, finish with Darby hitting the stunner and then the coffin drop. I thought that was that was pretty cool. Also, Sting is incredible considering that, what, six years ago he was told he was never going to wrestle again? Maybe it was longer than that. You're right. That is crazy to think about. All right, so uh, let's move on. Thursday, I just want to go over a couple of the things from uh, the Impact show. I got to say this, man. Impact really knows 
how to get people's attention because you hear that they're having a couple of good shows leading up to a pay-per-view. So the three weeks leading up, you'll get some pretty good shows. Pay-per-view will be really good, and they don't do them every month. Um, and then there will be a great follow-up episode, and then it will just go on cruise control, it seems. And I'm not saying that's doing this now, but based on this night compared to the week after their pay-per-view, it seemed like it was on cruise control. Um, but there was still some good stuff on here. I definitely want to talk about the main event. Uh, hey, Chris, you were a longtime Impact fan in the past, came back to watch another Impact, and got a uh, pretty uh, mediocre normal Impact episode. I would say. Yeah, you know, we had a good match with Tasha Steeles and Chelsea Green. We had a squash match with Jordan Grace, and, or what I would consider a squash match between Jordan Grace and Lady Frost. Um, the Tasha Steeles match was good, and then it kind of got fucky at the end because it was all based really, it's mostly based around Mickey James. And then it just completely went to what I would consider peak impact <laughs> within 15 minutes. Yep. And I agree. I, uh, I think the stuff with Tasha Steeles and Chelsea Green was good. I think that that match was fun. Tasha is the number one contender. It was down to her and Chelsea Green fighting over it, and she got it at the X Division match at the pay-per-view. And Tasha, they, they see a lot in her. Her and Kira Hogan were the first, I think, female tag champions. Um, and she should be a good match for Mickey James in the future. She got a good promo on her afterwards, basically saying that she was – when she was uh, – you know, a little kid, Mickey wasn't allowed to go on certain streets past a certain bedtime. She lived on those streets and kind of Mickey doesn't back down. They kind of got in each other's face. And that's uh that that's good build up. Good build up. And then yep. shout out to Decay. Mickey James real quick. Oh, shout yeah. out to Mickey James for being able to throw fucking <laughs> kicks wearing six inch heels. Like how the fuck? That's yeah. the one thing I noticed. I was like, how is she in there wrestling in those boots? Granted, she didn't do a whole lot, but still, at the same time, it's always just incredible when I see someone do that. I'm like, I have no idea how he managed to do that. No idea why the influence had to beat Decay the way they did. I don't know if Rosemary maybe got hurt in the X Division match, but at the beginning of it, like you were saying, it's like, so they take her out ahead of time, and they fuck up her arm, and then... You know, Havoc has to go against two of them, and they. It would have been cool to see Havoc beat the two of them, since you know, it's fucking Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood. But uh, nope, they got the better of her, and this is all leading to uh, Casey Lee and Jessica McKay, formerly uh, the. Oh man, what the hell was their name? Uh, the Iconics, the tag champs, uh, saying you know they're gonna whoop their ass. So another match I don't really give a shit about. Um, the other thing is like not only did Havoc lose but like she kind of lost convincingly it wasn't like she got overwhelmed or they cheated or uh, did some heel shit to get the win they just kind of beat her <laughs> yeah she got hit with a cutter and the spotlight kick followed by double face buster and that was it and also that double face buster looks like shit um, maybe get a new finisher I I don't care about the inspiration at all. I'd never been a big Madison Rain fan or Tennille Dashwood to, to that extent or Emilia or whatever the fuck they called her in WWE. And uh, the Iconics. The Iconics are actually pretty good on Impact with their promos to me. 
they they come off more natural than they did in WWE, where they wanted them to be overly annoying for some reason. Yeah, this next part I actually did like. So we have Brian Myers, and his whole entire thing is VSK and Ziggy Dice are a part of his camp. And obviously, a lot of people know in real life he does train people. So they're kind of applying that, but these guys kind of complain about the fact that Brian Myers doesn't really train them. And so it, it's assumed that he's just taking their money, and Zicky Dice and VSK are dumb enough to go with it. And so tonight, it was just a sacrifice. It, it was a handicap match, but it was the two of them against fucking Morrissey, who's pissed about Moose, uh, you know, ducking him and dodging him, uh, trying to get his singles match for that title against him. And so they, they did this last week with Zicky uh, Dice going against Moose. Moose doesn't even get out of his fucking suit, doesn't break a sweat. Gets punched once by him, pissed off, gives him a kick in the face. One, two, three, that's it. So Morrissey's destroying him. And just like last week, Brian Myers is just burying his talent, just saying how stupid and how dumb they are the whole entire time. And afterwards, it's like, what are you guys doing? You know, you guys are idiots. And like getting him out of the ring. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like during when he's on commentary, they were like, what did you do to prepare for a man of this size? And he's like, we watched film. <laughs> some film so yeah and tom phillips is like so you watch some film to strategize for this and he goes yeah 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 uh, <laughs> I, so if, if this is brian myers on commentary i want him on commentary every week <laughs> it was the best it was oh, hilarious my, this is what you know what rickabani phillips and and myers would be a great commentary team Especially if he's yeah. a heel commentator. He was really funny here, and this is one of the most fun squash matches I've seen in a while. A lot of it had to do with the commentary, but also uh, was it, it, uh, Dice was also just hilarious in taking this ass with him, <laughs> with his fucking fanny pack on or whatever. Oh, man, it's great. Zicky Dice reminds me if they, they took Adrian Adonis and mixed it with George South. So that's that's... <laughs> He's like a guy that always loses. That's like trying to do his like eighties, like kind of, I don't know. He's fucking hilarious. Uh, who's the guy that used to do the dick spot? What is his name? Oh, Joey, Joey Ryan. Yeah. He's doing kind of like the sleaze Joey Ryan thing. Minus like all of the dick stuff and lotion and oil. Yeah. It's more just like, a serious version of that, I guess, if you can't have a serious version of that, but it's pretty funny. Yeah, I liked it. But uh, afterwards, Morrissey called out Moose again. Moose came on the screen, could give two shits less about Morrissey and is complaining, said it's not going to happen. So Morrissey uh, goes in the back, gets stopped by Scott Demore, And uh, yeah, they're going to have a match for the title at no surrender, but Morrissey can't touch them, touch them until then. It sucks that Moose wasn't on. I don't know whatever reason, but this still helps out. And I'm looking forward to these two big ass men beating the shit out of each other for that title. But this does help out that he is somewhat chicken shit and he's pulling stuff that a heel would pull. So Moose is a, I think he's a pretty, people like him still because he's got that cool factor, Chris, but he's a pretty good heel when he wants to be. I, I agree with that. I think that the way that, that he's currently being booked and kind of handling this situation with Morrissey is good because fans have wanted Moose to get this title for a long period of time. And 
to a lot of if you're a long-term TNA fan, he is a uh, he's like your guy, right? He's stuck with that company kind of through thick and thin and losses of huge names going to other places. So it's awesome to finally see him get this run, but also if he's if they're wanting him to be the heel character, I think they're booking it pretty well so far. Um, we didn't mention this earlier, but Zack Ryder challenged Jordan Grace. Yes, that's right. <sighs> Which should be a good match. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that match is going to look like, but I'm interested to, to see it take place. Um, Does he just, just want the digital media championship because it's like the Internet championship? I think so. Maybe they'll do something where he combines the two titles or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Does this like if he just beats Jordan Grace like really bad? Does that set up something with him and uh, Jonathan Gresham? Possibly. I'm I'm loving Gresham on this ship, man. Um, and that's what happened next. We had a really good Ring of Honor match. I like that specifically for the title. They're doing the same pure uh, rules. Uh, I think it just and and not doing the rounds, but. You know, limiting, trying to get back to the old Ring of Honor way of doing it, uh, limited, um, you know, rope breaks and, and whatnot. Steve Macklin, man, he's another one. When he was uh, Stephen Cutler in The Forgotten Sons and before that when he was tagging Wesley Blake, you know, he showed a lot of potential. But he's been doing really well. It's it's funny because people want to cheer for him, but he's definitely a heel. I think maybe they just feel bad about, you know, his past situation. But he had a good match with Jonathan. They both kind of went through the rope breaks uh, very quickly, and then Jonathan finally got him uh, trapped in the figure four, uh, going for the knee. Um, and since the rope breaks were already uh, been utilized, Gresham was able to hold on to submission. Then uh, the rope he he uh, scaled the ropes to add more pressure. The pain was agonizing, and Macklin allowed his shoulders to stay on the mat for a quick. Um, Two seconds, and then the match was awarded to the Octopus. So, yeah, and they Ian Riccoboni was on commentary again, Chris, because D'Lo was taken out by that five last week put through a table and swore up and down that him, Gresham, and past Ring of Honor Women's Champion Roxy have nothing to do with the five that have been coming in here before the match. Those same five were allowed to be in a suite for the match, for buying tickets, and then they were kicked out. Obviously, that led to more bullshit at the end of the night, but they were all up there watching the Ring of Honor World Championship. Vincent and Maria Canellis, Mike Canellis, um, PCO, you know, and uh, I forgot the other dude's name. But um, good match, nonetheless. Gresham, still great technical wrestler. Matt Taven! <laughs> Fucking Vincent still creeping up there in the stands. <laughs> um, Weirdo. This match was really, really good. I wish it had a little more time, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think they did. They did. I like the adjustment they made to the uh, Pride rules and uh, or the the Code of Honor, whatever the hell they call this match, right? Um, I guess that was the big selling point. As Macklin did not shake hands, and at the end of the match, he did not shake hands. Um, he hit a Olympic slam in this match that he went into a Boston crab afterwards. And I think that was the setup for the last rope break available that looked fucking incredible. Um, but both of these guys back and forth, I thought this is a really fun match. Jonathan Gresham 
is maybe one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world right now, I think. There's so many matches I want to see this guy have. So hopefully yeah. he's not just limited to impact because I would love to see him like make a New Japan strong run or a New Japan G1 run or something. I think that would be really, really cool if, if that's something he wants to do, obviously. But uh, all of the stuff they did with Ring of Honor, minus the weird ending, which we'll get to, which also just feels very much like fucking Im- like <laughs> peak impact, like I said earlier. Uh, outside of that, I like all of the stuff they're doing with Ring of Honor and kind of the cast of characters they got together because they're so fucking random. It's great PCOs there. <laughs> just... <laughs> he texted me. He said he looks deader than ever, and I was like, he is. <laughs> he is deader uh, than ap- ever. After this match, you get that great moment where they're all walking by the security guards and apologizing and stuff, and then PCO just bucks at the security guards and they shit themselves. So it was pretty great. <laughs> that was awesome. That was definitely awesome. So we uh we had this still this uh. I don't know. They're getting together uh, between Bound by Design and the the Good Brothers Alliance, if you will. So Joe Doring and Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows, if you will, went against Heath and Rhino. Good, you know, mm-hmm. fight back and forth. Uh, I kind of figured that um, bullshit would happen, and Diener took a shot at Heath, and that led to a double choke slam for the win. Gallows and uh, Doring going over. It was fine. I mean. I don't know where this is fucking leading exactly because it seems like it's getting amped up that a lot of the baby faces and in impact, including Keith and Rhino and who they've been teaming up with Eddie Edwards, Rick Swan and um, uh, Willie Mack. They're all going to be now positioned going against ring of honor. And so does that mean that we're going to have the heels against the heels when they break up? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if you want to see a match with Joe Doring, uh, looking like Joe Doring, man, check out this match. It's pretty cool. They had a stip to this match, which was if if Doc Doc Gallows and Joe Doring won, the Ring of Honor superstars could re- or not the Ring of Honor, the New Japan superstars could return. So are was they that building? The case? I believe so. If I'm remembering the commentary right. So is the setup that you're going to have New Japan versus Ring of Honor versus Impact, and it's kind of like a invasion angle? I mean, they're already doing an invasion angle to some extent, but like they're furthering that. See, that sounds fun, but then it also reminds me of one time when there was ECW, WCW, and WWE, and uh, Chuck Palumbo, you know? Yeah, but I think the difference is, like, Vince McMahon's not trying to bury the other companies in this situation. That was well, we'll, we'll get to it, but <laughs> no, and I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I was just making a stupid joke, but um, you know, knowing about the these five individuals, Maria's obviously basically this position. We got these seven guys. They're representing this. The guys that we already talked about, along with Chris Sabin and Josh Alexander, they're representing, you know, the seven that are going to hold this down. Diana's already got in Maria's face, so we have her. But there's only four dudes. They need a couple more Ring of Honor guys a part of that. And this also leads maybe potentially to Moose versus Josh Alexander. Or not Josh Alexander, uh, Jonathan Gresham. That would be a fucking weird, fun match as well because the size difference between the two of them. But um, 
I'm just I'm I'm curious, man. This is actually making me pretty excited going forward, even if this episode was a bit lighter than last week. It was the, the I wouldn't say the first the first hour was kind of light, but the the main event stuff we got was pretty good. Minus uh, like the Josh Alexander Charlie Haas matches was was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think when we get down to the beatdown or towards the end of the show where Ring of Honor is just clearly outnumbered. They need some other guys. And, mm-hmm. uh, hey, if, if fucking the Briscoes aren't set to show up in AEW for a while, that would be two people to bring in. Uh, hot, say, hot Sauce Tracy Williams, what's he up to? Bring him in. There's exactly. a lot of Ring of Honor guys I would like to see show up, and you could set up some really fun matches and, I think, build to a really cool pay-per-view, especially if you're going to have some New Japan guys. I'm not saying you, you don't have to necessarily do like Survivor Series style matches, but I think there's a lot of great matches you could build and then set up some kind of. I don't know if yeah, like whoever, whichever one wins, could win the moniker of Impact or something, like take the show over. I guess I think there's a lot of cool stories that you can tell out of this. It just depends on how it's booked, and there's a lot of great talent involved. So. Uh, if done right, it could be really, really fun to see all these guys show back up. Also, well, like I need, I need more Jay White in my life. Damn it! <laughs> no shit. What's, well, and that's what I'm talking about. Blade? And that's what I'm talking about. Impact has kind of, you know, we saw the interactions with AEW. We saw the interactions with MLW. We saw they, they kind of have become the, the Infinity Gauntlet, if you will, of this Forbidden Door concept of like everyone come, we'll make these cool dream matches between different organizations and put them on our pay-per-view. So if we got, we've already had the new, new Japan strong guys on it before. If they come back and it's in this landscape where the impact guys are here and the ring of honor guys are here, we're just going to get some awesome matches. So Scott, Scott Demore working with Kerry Silken, working with um, Rocky Romero, you know, um, maybe we're going to get, is this going to be the place for, the other guys outside of AEW, New Japan, and WWE to kind of come on and play, if you will. I think I think so, for for sure. And uh, you know, the other weird thing is now New Japan is going to be back on Access, which is the primary TV network for Impact, starting in March. So I'm still curious on what that's going to actually look like. Is it just going to be? you know, segments from their latest shows, or are they actually going to try to build something? And it would make a lot of sense to put new Japan stars in say an impact, especially if your show was going to be following theirs, which is the format right now they're showing, you know, right now they're just showing classic matches from new Japan with Jim Ross on commentary. I think the one after this one on TV was the, the Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega match. Um, yeah. Interesting. But, you know, if Access is signing that TV deal and, and they can have this working relationship with New Japan, which is what they wanted to begin with. So I'm assuming that's how the deal got done. There is a lot of potential there, especially with Ring of Honor kind of on the outs and they're already bringing in Ring of Honor guys. Like you could see this company grow, which would be good. I want Impact to get back to at least prominent numbers. Yeah, at least NXT numbers of viewership. I, I, you know. Ring of Honor, or not Ring of Honor, Impact is like Keith Richards 
it should have died many, many times, but somehow <laughs> it just keeps clinging to life. And it I just even outlived Bowie. <laughs> it it makes it in it you know it makes you love it even that much more, especially if you were like me and started watching it in like 2005, 2006. Um, it's it's impact. So <laughs> like I said, there's peak impact, peak peak TNA. But it is something that I want to see continue to grow, and I think it's great that people have a different outlet to work and show their craft off. Um, there's just a lot of shit out there that you could easily see blowing up the same way. Like GCW, as we've talked about in the yep. past, is making a huge push. And I think this is the one advantage Impact kind of has is having access TV on their side and uh, already having an up and running Twitch stream show in involvement with Ring of Honor and now New Japan that will help them separate themselves from the MLWs and GCWs of the world. I agree. Uh, main event. Charlie Haas, Charlie Haas, I should say, versus Josh Alexander. They had a really good match. We talked about it, man. Charlie Haas looks really grizzled. Um, it's just crazy because I'm watching, as I'm watching SmackDown in 2003, I'm watching him and Shelton Benjamin when they're young. And it's been about fucking 20 years, so that's what age will do to you. But as far as in the ring, him and Josh really had a good wrestling-based match. If you're not a fan of a lot of the Greco-Roman stuff or holds. You might not like this, but since I really love the, you know, beginning elements of wrestling, pro wrestling itself, I really liked it. Um, unfortunately, though, Chris, and this we'll, we'll talk about the match itself and uh, what happened afterwards separately, but Charlie Haas suffered a uh, concussion in this match and will be out for a little while. I think they wanted to keep on having him have matches going forward, but they're taking him out. Just for a couple weeks, but he went on, explained what happened, because I believe before it was out, Wrestling Observer broke it. Maybe it was Sean Ross Sapp, one of those two. And he basically said, and he even showed the video footage, that he went for a like a shoulder block in the corner where Josh Alexander was, and uh, just to go across his stomach. And Josh, the way he was positioned where uh, Charlie's head went, it went around Josh's side and he just hit the fucking steel post just head on and gave himself a concussion. So at least I don't know where that happened, but at least part of this match, he was concussed. Um, Josh won a uh, good ending. And then all the craziness would, would happen shortly after that. But um, what'd you think of the match? And what do you think about Charlie Haas sticking around an impact for a little while? Oh, I don't know. Now that I know that he got a concussion, I'm looking at the observer notes and it seems like it, you know, I, I, it, it talks about him being very groggy towards the end of the match when they hit those sets of G Germans. Yep. Which whoever wrote this review, they did note that he kind of looked out of it. And maybe that's what I was seeing throughout the match because he just didn't seem like. Like, none of it was bad. It just didn't – I kind of expected more out of Charlie Haas, but that makes sense with, you know, if you got a concussion, the fact they were able to even finish this match is uh, is crazy. And and basically they wrote in their review the match fell through after Haas got kind of groggy, but they managed to finish it, which um, makes sense. I, I don't know if that affected how they – what they decided to do at the end of this show. I'm assuming they were still going to do the same ending regardless, right? Oh yeah. No, I would definitely, 
say so. Um, good yeah, match, Josh Alexander. I was just going to say, this was a good match considering one of the guys had a concussion halfway through, apparently. <laughs> so, yeah. No, jo- but Josh is really becoming one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. I thought he was great in tag teams, but as a single performer, he's one of those old school wrestling guys that has that like Kurt Angle, Benoit, that style for him. And he makes it work still. Um, but yeah, we had this. So basically, he's by himself in the ring. I think Haas has uh, already gone to the back. He lifted his arm. You know, nice little ending. And then the five hit the ring, and they start beating down Josh Alexander. Chris Sabin, who was doing commentary with uh, Tom, uh, jumped in the ring, tried to start helping him up, but, you know, too many people. Then we have Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath and um, Rhino, and Eddie Edwards came out with his kendo stick, and they hightailed it. Like I said, seven against five, one of them being Maria. So they go back to the place, uh, the little uh, area, they, the balcony area they had. Maria Canellis named them as Honor No More and basically said that they're taking out Ring of Honor people and they're going to go after these people too and take out Impact. So if you're not a, if you're not with us, you're against us, Chris. I actually thought this was a decent promo because they did the Macklin stuff earlier in the night where Macklin refused to follow the code of honor. So I think that played into it. Obviously the ring of honor people have been out here just causing fucking chaos on an impact, but I did think that was a, uh, a good promo for Maria Canellis. And uh, outside of how that, do you like the just... name honor? No more as their faction name. Yeah. Uh... It's okay. I mean, it's better than just saying the guys from Ring of Honor each time, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's fine. Uh, but in a company where you have one of the best fucking faction names of all time, Violent by Design, it does <laughs> it does make it uh, seem kind of lame. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It is kind of... Hey, um, like I said... Impact has got me kind of interested in the current product, and I'm having more fun watching. You know, it might be because some of these wrestlers were from that product, uh, but I'm having more fun watching all the Ring of Honor guys, XNXT guys, Impact guys, you know, potential for New Japan Strong guys to come back, and, and everything that Impact's doing, and specifically this storyline and some of the matches they're building up. All their champions are stacked, you know, Sorry, but like once fucking NXT doesn't have Braun Breaker and Raquel Gonzalez, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to need that show for, honestly. Yeah, so. I feel kind of the same way because I feel like that, you know, there's other places to get what NXT used to be at this point. Like you can even if you wanted to choose between one or two shows, you could pick New Japan Strong or Impact and kind of get. Um, you know what NXT used to offer, which if you're if you're if you're going to get the level of quality that we got out of the two main event matches, which to me was the the Gresham Macklin match and then the uh, the main event, and if you take out Charlie Hoskins and Concussion, I'm sure that match would have been a lot better. But if you're going to get that level of match, and then I'm going to get you know maybe an eight minute match with Roddy Strong and uh, Gunther. <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, it becomes an easier choice on what you're going to watch. And especially if fucking, if Jay White's going to show up on here, I might just substitute 
that was two hours of NXT for Impact. I'm not going to lie, just because. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I, I, there's a guy that only has a 30-month non-compete, and he has a lot to do with both Ring of Honor and Impact Wrestling. I'm just saying, we've joked about it, but if he made an Impact, no pun intended, it was intended, uh, Samoa Joe joining that would make it even more eyeballs on the product, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it it would be awesome if he just shows up and you get the Bobby Heenan moment. Yeah, but whose side is he on? <laughs> Tom uh, Phillips can do that. Yeah, I think that would be I think that would be a lot of fun. That be it would be great. I don't know that he necessarily wants to do it, but it would be really fun, even if it's for a very short stint to see Samoa Joe return to the Impact Zone or whatever they want to whatever they're calling it now. Um, I mean it's. Better than getting fired, rehired, and then fired again, I guess. (laughs) Poor Joe. But, yeah, all I was saying is that, you know, people, like, time is something you never get back. And if I have to spend two hours watching a wrestling show and Impact is going to continuously give me, if they're really going to pay off Japan and Ring of Honor guys being a part of this company with Moose as their champion, that is a more intriguing show than NXT currently. I agree with you, man. I completely agree. All right, let's move on to SmackDown from last night. We'll go through this rather quickly because some of it, like usual, was great, and some of it, who gives a fuck? Um, but yeah, this all started off with uh, the Usos coming out. They were celebrating the longest reigning Universal Champion with 508 days. Um, and they're just, like, hyping him up. Um, they present the tribal chief who comes out and says, acknowledge me, Nashville. And everyone does. Over his rover. You know, he's getting more cheers than, than uh, booze. Weird. I think we as fans said that, but, you know, what the fuck ever. Awesome video package of him destroying everyone. But, like I noted, except for the demon. Um, but, you know, pretty much everyone within a timeline of who he's defeated throughout this last time period. Bray was also missing, uh, but he doesn't work for the company. I'm like, Finn, whatever. But um, afterwards, he's smiling, and then Burn It Down comes on. Seth Rollins comes over, and the visionary is talking about the fact that, you know, it's kind of fucked up. The Usos are the longest reigning SmackDown tag team champions. And beat that record a while ago, but you didn't even acknowledge them. You didn't even celebrate them. And he has a proposal for an idea in which he goes and finds a tag team partner, goes against the tag team champs of the Usos. If they win, the Usos are banned from ringside since they always help Roman win his matches. Um, And, you know, he presents Kevin Owens. Kevin comes out. He's like, he's like, I like this guy. I like this guy. And you hear Seth Rollins go, I like him too. Like pretty funny shit. I'm loving. And now it seems like between the, oh, oh, people are doing that during Seth's matches. They're kind of getting the Jericho, Kevin Owens treatment where they were supposed to be heels, but their comedy and camaraderie have kind of turned them baby face a bit. So, you know, Seth's making a lot of sense. And then Roman says, shut up, turn off Kevin Owens' music, shut up. He goes, only 
this will happen if I say it happens. And he says, you put the match itself at a Royal Rumble so I can go on a vacation until WrestleMania and I will put up your stipulation. So that was all presented for later on. We were having Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins against the Usos. If the Usos win, the match is not happening. If KO and Seth wins, then the match is happening and the Usos are banned from ringside. Chris. Good promos by everyone. That was a really good way to start off SmackDown. I think this was awesome, and I like the fact that Roman didn't just accept the stipulation right off the bat, that he re- kind of renegotiated in a way that he would have some sort of benefit from it, because that happens way too much in WWE, where they just accept a stipulation for no reason. At least this one, there was something to gain or lose on both sides. And uh, yeah, the Jericho-Kevin Owens combination of Seth and, and Kevin Owens is great. It's funny because Kevin Owens' role is swapped. He is the Jericho in this <laughs> situation, which is great. I hope that he's just a real dick and has the list of Owens. <laughs> I think that would be oh, hilarious. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't think he needs that, but... Uh, Kevin Owens, uh, since getting that new contract, has been kind of on fire. Even going to that uh, the, the four-way match where, you know, he sees Seth giving the pin and he actually came through on his, uh, his I'm not going to interfere so that we can have the title together. It, it is very Jericho and, uh, and Kevin Owens as far as the story goes, but I think it works really, really well with these two guys. And uh, I don't know, this is also the, the most interested i've been in seth rollins in a while yeah so good shit and i like like i said i like like they i like the way they set up the stip yeah uh i i did too i'm not really happy with the ending itself but we'll get there but yeah i love the setup i love the uh beginning um i'm gonna group these three matches together chris because what the fuck Kofi Kingston went against Madcap Moss. Big E was out there for some reason. I wasn't really sure why, but uh, Michael Cole made the comment, well, it's near the Royal Rumble, so we're seeing a lot of Raw presence on SmackDown. He said it like three times, so I guess that just excludes the, the, the logic of it. But thank God Kingston beat him this time, and Big E helped uh, keep um, you know Baron Corbin from fucking him over. Aaliyah beat Natalya again. But this time, because Natalia wouldn't listen to the ref, kept on destroying Aaliyah and got uh, DQ'd. Then Xyli came out and beat the crap out of her, and uh, she ran for her life. And Xyli controls lightning like The Undertaker, apparently. Then the Viking Raiders beat Los Lotharios in a match that was pretty short, right to the point, building up the number one contenders for their match against the Usos at Royal Rumble. Um, just, just amazing, gripping stuff, Chris. Did, uh, did WWE, like, watch some anime? Because we also had that weird video segment on NXT with the... I can't remember. What, Boa? I can't think of the rest. Yeah, <laughs> with the sunshine thing that her grandma gave her. And then now Xylee's shooting fucking lightning, even though, you know, she's not Japanese, so it, <laughs> it doesn't correlate. Did, did WWE watch anime is what I'm getting at, Dane. I don't know. They're turning Boa into Great Muda as well. Um, I have no idea. Oh, I, I was talking about that vignette video package on NXT with, uh, God, why can I think of the wrestling? Oh, no! 
Oh my god, she was great. She was she was a Japanese talent, and they dyed her hair fucking black on NXT now, and she's like completely different. And they had this shitty. I know what you're talking about. Is it Sarai? I'm looking up her name now. I believe it is Sarai. I think it's Sarai, but she was great. She had a great baby face look, and now they're like, no, you need to look like evil Yakuza chick or some shit. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Um, yeah, hey, let's, so. let's see if you've ever heard this one before. So Charlotte Flair comes out, Naomi comes out, uh, they have a match cause Charlotte thinks she can take Naomi. Naomi got screwed last time. Uh, then Sonya comes out. She decides that she's going to be the official and screws her out from a title shot. Now here's the difference, Chris. Eric Bischoff was in the back with Adam Pierce. Reading the riot act with them about Sonya's, you know, what she's been doing with her position and an abuse of power. Does WWE not remember when the fuck Eric Bischoff was a commissioner? He abuses power constantly. That's what he did. So why the hell's he giving? Like, why was him and Jeff Jarrett on this random ass episode in, in, in Tennessee? I know fucking Jeff Jarrett's there, but they, they pretend he's only that Jeff Jarrett, like the WWE stupid Jeff Jarrett giving fucking pointers to Rick Boogs before he goes out with Shinsuke. And they got Eric Bischoff telling people that they're not not being adequate with their performance of a general manager. The fuck is all this if shit? You're gonna if you're going to use Jeff Jarrett in this situation, wouldn't it make more sense to have the slap nuts Jeff Jarrett with a guitar, like showing Boogs the proper way to smash a guitar over someone's head or something? You know what I mean? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, but I, I don't know if they're going this route, but maybe they're trying to position a new general manager and weed out Sonya Deville as that character. Well, and it looks like her and um, something. Naomi are going to have their match at Rumble. Who gives a shit? Didn't they already have this match? Haven't they had this match no. like six times? Or oh no, they've been. She's been putting her against uh, Charlotte oh, man, and Shayna Baszler. I was gonna. I was like, I forgot about Shayna. Poor Shayna. She had so much potential. Um, yeah. Does anyone care at this point? This feud's been going on longer than the fucking MJF inner circle feud. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's so fucking dumb. But bad I, way of, of 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 using your legends. That's all I gotta say with Jeff Jarrett. And even like Eric Bischoff. Why the fuck would he be the the voice of reason? Uh, I think I think that's kind of the comedy of it, or what they were going for. Maybe Eric Bischoff is trying to take Adam Pierce's job. Okay, um, there you go. This is his second time on the show in recent memory because he was the person that was marrying or renewing the vows of Miz and Maurice, right? Yep. So I don't know. Maybe they owe they still owe <laughs> Bischoff money from that contract they canceled where he was supposed to be the head of uh, SmackDown or whatever. So they got to find out some way to get some benefit out of it and out of it. Talking about, talking about a uh, forbidden door. He's the only guy that can be on a couple episodes here and there of raw or SmackDown and a couple episodes of dynamite and shit. Uh, uh, anyways. So Sammy Zayn doesn't know how to turn on a cattle prod. Um, 
this was just stupid. I mean, I'm, I, 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 there's a lot of stuff they're doing good with Sami Zayn, but the stupid fake, fakes like sound effect when he was doing it to himself, but he wasn't, and then Johnny comes out and helps him out by showing him how to turn it on, and then we hear another sound effect coming from the fucking back while he hits him with it, and that was it. And then he knocked him out outside, you know, threw him over the ropes, Royal Rumble style. So really, really gripping television. There are people watching this, kids watching this, that have no idea who the fuck Johnny Knoxville is, Chris. Then again, he got a pop that was louder than Sammy's, so... Uh, what are you I doing? mean, you say, you say kids are watching, but the demographic says otherwise. <laughs> Good point. Um, no, yeah, this is... I don't, I don't know what the... Does NBC... Okay... Does NBC own or does Fox? No, they don't own MTV. That's a universal product. I'm no, that's, assuming um, this... that's Viacom, which is CBS, I believe. Which one owns USA? I'm trying to make the correlation. Universal, back to MTV. NBC, uh, NBC Universal owns USA. Okay, they're the ones who own the so Peacock. Pe- so Peacock, they would also own MTV, which means. That's why you're seeing so much fucking Johnny Knoxville to promote this movie. I was just trying to f- put logically in my head why we're getting so much Johnny Knoxville. Yep. But um, this is uh, this is good stuff, man. It's good stuff. I mean, if they want to do something really awesome, have Bam Margera come out and screw over Johnny Knoxville during the Rumble, since they have real life heat right now, or he does at least with MTV. That'd be fucking funny. There you go. Hopefully that's what they do. Uh, so Ridge Holland was um, he, he had Sheamus uh, defend his honor for getting his nose broken against Ricochet. Sheamus beat him. Uh, I think they've already done that twice now. So hopefully we can move on from that. And the main event: Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, the Usos, best match of the night. The only problem was the way that it ended was fuck finish. So we have Owens. He enters the match. He delivers a fisherman buster from the top rope for a near fall, only for Jay to break up the pin. Rollins tagged back in while Owens delivered a stunner to Jay. Rollins set up for a stomp, delivered it, and is rocked by a Superman punch from Reigns, resulting in a DQ. Reigns claimed at Rollins at, uh, as the show went off the air, knowing full well uh that if he goes at it alone, he might not be able to retain that title. Or I think that's what Michael Cole said, something on those lines. Um, so, yeah, so I guess the Usos are still a part of this. It was all for nothing. I hate that shit. And they had a good match, too. No, so here's what the story that they were trying to tell. Because Roman caused the disqualification by hitting Rollins, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins won the match. That's so right. Michael Cole, as they're going off the air, he yells that the Usos are barred from ringside at Royal Rumble. So why did Roman do that? Is he an idiot? Because it's because Seth Rollins is outsmarting him because he's the architect that they're, they're playing into that character. Because he's like Triple H, right? That's I mean, some shit yeah. Triple H would do convince the other guy to hit him so that he gets an advantage. Um. So, I mean, this, this, I mean, it's very WWE logic, but that's what they're going for. What makes this interesting is if Brock beats Bobby, right, retains the title, 
the thing was, are they going to unify the title belts and how do you get to Brock versus Roman? Because that's where, where they want to go. Guess who is not banned from ringside, Dane? Uh, Brock Lesnar? Kevin Owens. <laughs> so now Roman <laughs> is at a disadvantage at the Royal Rumble with this group. So I wouldn't put it past them if they're not unifying the titles to just have Rollins win the title because of Roman getting screwed over and then Roman having to win the rumble and then challenging Brock or Brock convincing Roman to challenge him. What about this concept though? Since they don't have a lot for either one of them to do. And since we had them as enemies at one point who business wise kind of made an alliance and then for some reason Kevin Owens really poured on like the best friend concept what if this is setting up for Kevin Owens to fuck over Seth Rollins well I think you can do both right so if Reigns loses the title at Rumble to Rollins you can build the storyline up to uh, up to Mania to yeah. set up Seth Rollins versus Kevin Owens right and then you get Lesnar versus uh, Roman you get KO versus Seth Rollins, Rollins. And uh, Bobby Lashley can, uh, they'll find something for him to do. But I, you know, those are both really big, high profile matches. Because I don't see Brock losing to Bobby. And unless they're unifying the titles, how do you get the Roman match? I don't know. So with, with this finish, it does, I mean, we could, we could see the exact opposite. Like, you know. Roman kills both Seth and Kevin Owens retains the title, which would lead me to believe that definitely going to unify them. But if they're not going that route, the other option I laid out there, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, they did announce the next week they're doing the new day, which is Kofi and Big E versus Corbin and Madcap Moss. Yeah, which, Xavier is hurt. Okay. All right. But also, why we are just dis yeah we're just disregarding brand splits <laughs> again. Well, it's near the Royal Rumble, so things like this happen. I don't remember that ever <laughs> being like that, Michael Cole. But thank you for telling us that bullshit that Vince told you to tell us. Not Cole's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. That's stupid. All right, we got four um, matches to go over for Rampage, so we can get out of here. From last night. Do you have any last statements about SmackDown, buddy? No, it was a fun show, just mostly because of, uh, you know, the same reason that, yeah, just all of the all of the Rollins, Kevin Owens, Usos and Roman once again, carrying the show. Agreed. All right. So we start off with a bang on Rampage last night. This is live separate like they normally tape it right after uh, Dynamite um, on Wednesdays. This was actually live. And we had the first match, John Moxley coming back, uh, going against Ethan Page. And uh, they had a they had a good match. It's another situation where I think a lot of fans thought that Moxley should just go in there and, you know, just beat the fuck out of Ethan Page. But I actually thought commentary, Taz and Jericho specifically because of their past experience, saying that Moxley, you know, he hasn't he hasn't wrestled in a very long time, that even though he's in great shape. He's slimmed down, so he might not be used to being that that size because it's always a 
you know, just just really breaking it down in a way where it makes sense. And I'm sorry, but like if you want to put him against a good heel, Ethan Page is a good heel. And, you know, they 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 had a good match um, and Moxley ended up winning. Uh, he choked him out with the bulldog choke. And afterwards, I think Ethan Page was talking shit. So he gave him a, a nice little, uh, you know, double underhook DDT for his troubles. So uh, good stuff. And then Moxley exited, Chris, went through the audience and there. Just giving him with a fucking shit-eating grin smile, just an ovation, uh, Mr. Brian Danielson. And Moxley and him had a little stare-off, and then Brian Danielson gave him another smile, and Moxley ended up going in the back. So I'm assuming since they were supposed to originally, before Moxley got hurt, have their match, they're going to position them in a feud, possibly going to the next pay-per-view, which would be awesome. But I thought Mox, there were certain parts where he looked a bit out of breath. There were certain parts where he looked, you know, tired and he did slim down, but it seems like he slimmed a little bit of his arm muscles as well. So, you know, everything being said, I still think that he put on a good match. Ethan Page was a good opponent. And I liked the potential of a setup between a program from Brian Danielson and, you know, a returning John Boxley. Yeah, I, I had no problem with the layout of this match because I I thought Moxley still got a convincing win. To some extent, it protected uh, Ethan Page, the ego Ethan Page, right? And uh, at the end, Moxley just fucking dropped him with a paradigm shift, so he still got that dominant exclamation point on the match that people are talking. Why does everyone think it? Do you remember how much people used to bitch about things when they were all squash matches? If, if exactly. every one of these matches fans got pissed about, it should have been a dominant win. Do you know how boring the show would be? Like if you combine some of the stuff that people bitch about, you're getting basically W with shotgun Saturday night where you have one actual match and the rest are just fucking squash matches. Yep. Or superstars. Yeah, <laughs> like no one wants that. Quit asking for it. Companies will start doing it if you continuously bitch about it on the internet. They will just start having a bunch of fucking squash matches. Uh, it's boring for the fans in attendance. I like this format better. Like I said, he still got the exclamation point, and I like the setup between him and Brian Danielson. And like you said, they were supposed to be. That was the end of that tournament, right? That was what it was supposed to be. Yep. It's, uh, the only difference here is I thought for sure they were turning Moxley heel and Brian Danielson is already a heel at this point or is supposed to be a heel. He's yeah, I, I think crowd and kicking people's I think heads gonna, in. I think I think he's going to be the baby face now for this program, unlike before, because it's going to be hard from him coming back, you know, fighting his problems away uh, to now being a heel. So and Brian Danielson's a great heel. He really is. Which makes you really have to respect booking committee and Tony Khan for knowing they needed to pull the trigger on Brian Danielson being a heel before Moxley came back. If that was the plan for the feud. Yep. That that had to have played into it of like, well, when Moxley comes back, the fans are going to want to cheer him. Right. So uh, if that's the reason they made that move, that's very smart. And that'll be very, very fun. And they're going to wrestle a very WWE style. (laughs) So oh, yeah. we will see if uh, we'll see how AEW fans react to that. I'm sure it'll they're going to give them more time so they'll be able to do more. But Moxley and uh, 
Moxley already kind of has formatted into a very WWE style with his stuff outside of brawling. And Brian does a really good job of throwing in a mixture there. So it'll be it'll be an interesting match to say the least. I'm I'm gonna say a couple matches, right? I would you eventually so. have to with Moxley saying he he's thirsty and he only drinks blood now, I'm assuming that this is gonna end up in some kind of hardcore match, which will be fun to see Brian in. It's been a I can't remember the last time we saw him in any kind of hardcore, at least a level of hardcore match that him and Moxley will end up having. I agree. I'm looking forward to the two of them in a program. And I just think that they'll both step up their games. If they do stuff outside of their comfort zone, the other person will be able to bring up the other person. Like meaning straight off wrestling, Brian Danielson's going to be able to bring a lot out of Moxley. When it comes to brawling or maybe like, you know, a hardcore match, Moxley's going to be able to compliment Brian Danielson, who's not normally in that position. So, yeah, I agree. I hope that uh, Danielson, uh, well, I know he's going to be a little bit smarter about this than Kenny Omega and not try to do too much in that style. Yep. Because he knows how to slow it down and, and add less stuff like that, I think. Well, like, if you remember, they had, like, the fucking barbed wire bed and shit in the first Omega Moxley hardcore match. Like, don't go – We, you don't need to go that crazy. I no. think that actually deterred from – the same thing with the exploding barbed wire match. It actually took away from how good the rest of the match was between Moxley and Omega <laughs> because yep. of the – because they leaned way too much into that stuff. So hope they, and obviously Brian Danielson is probably smart enough to realize that, that we don't need to go. I hope so at least because otherwise Jim Cornette's going to have a fucking aneurysm. Oh God. (laughs) He's not the biggest fan of Moxley. All right. So we had Tramperetta, Nick Jackson. Um, a lot of this was good. A lot of this, though, Trent's coming back from injury. This is one of the first times he's back in the rings, first singles time. Nick, you know, in the last couple months, they Nick and Matt both were sick at time periods with COVID. Uh, they were both at different times. Like, they haven't been wrestling as much as they were when they were tag champions. So singles-wise, there were a couple – Hiccups here and there, most notably Nick trying to make that dive to the outside over the top rope, getting stuck on the uh, the uh, rope and fucking just falling on his face on top of Trent Beretta. But other than that, man, these guys kick the shit out of each other. I, you know, for someone that just comes back, and especially like hearing Taz and Jericho and Ricky Starks, who have all had neck issues, talk about the lack of feeling that happens in your fingers, but the electricity that you feel like lightning bolts going up your hand and shit like that type of lack of feeling like, you know, and knowing that Trent's got stuff fused, he's getting fucking pile driven and, and, and shit. Nick did an awesome, you know, swan time bomb to the outside, threw him back in for a 450 for a very, very close win. Um, but, uh, yeah, Trent was able to recover, and then he hit his finisher, and I think a lot of people would assume this is an upset. Which this is all building towards their match, Rapongi versus the Bucks. It's happening, I think, either Wednesday or, or, or Friday. I can't remember what they said on the promo, but either way, 
you know, good little step in that direction with Trent getting that win because I think the Bucks are definitely going to beat Rapongi, but I'm looking forward to that, and I kind of hope that we see Rapongi stick around for a while, but probably not. Yeah, I don't know. Are they building to chaos coming over completely to some at some point? I that's been the question, but um. Is Nick Jackson the best of the Jackson brothers? It's not even close, right? Yeah, it's not even close. Okay. Yeah, I I thought this match was good. The one thing I wrote in my notes about this match is we had like a five-minute commercial break in the middle of this 13-minute match, which I think probably hurt it quite a bit. But it was a good match, especially for a comeback. Um, I do agree with you. It did seem like Trent, you know, he's trying to get his breath at certain points, but that's to be expected coming off an injury. Outside of that, I thought it was a really good match. There is one fucking Nick, uh, when he, he hit that fucking springboard destroyer, insane, as always. And uh, I kind of like the finish where he got the, you had like the super kick, and then I think Trent hits like a, a lariat and a stuffed pile driver. They did some really cool shit that 450 splash like you were talking about towards the end this thing really picked up but i think uh because we took out a lot of the middle of this match or it was picture in picture i think it it hurt it yeah no that it never helps especially when it's a long one and takes out most of the match um well you know in a situation if this next match had a commercial break the match would have been over because we had (laughs) hook going against serpentico as soon as the bell rings, he just starts ragged on this motherfucker. He locks in the submission, uh, and Spentico got to the ropes, hook, uh, quickly grabbed him and threw him in an overhead throw before locking him with the red rom, standing and choking this motherfucker out, dangling his feet. And then afterwards, QT Marshall came out talking trash on the mic. Hook went right to him. Gave him a fucking belly-to-belly suplex and literally walked over him like he was a piece of shit. Another one for the good guys, Chris. They're doing a great job of booking heel, aren't they? <laughs> poor, poor, poor QT is going to die. That man's going to be dead. Oh! Yeah, good stuff, man. Hook's getting booked like a million bucks. And I love Taz being crowd- able to... Well, no, that's what I was saying. So Taz is, Taz is, you know, calling the match, obviously, and, and Jericho and everyone's uh, talking. You could just tell, even though you're not looking at him, that he's probably smiling. And the fact that the audience, because we're so accustomed, they're doing the old school ECW chants between, you know, something that Samoa Joe would get later on and other wrestlers, but it was originally Taz, like, Hook is gonna kill you. Hook is gonna kill you. And what's the other one? The um, oh, fuck, kill this we guy. We are hookers. Uh, the, the I liked the we are hookers. Clap, 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 clap. We got <laughs> the week <Jesus>. before. <laughs> no, it's um, it's uh, it's hook is gonna ki- or Taz is gonna kill you, and then like um, fuck him up, Taz, fuck him up. You know they would do that for him. They were doing it for his son. It's so weird. Like yeah, that's gotta be awesome. That's gotta be awesome. It would really be fun to see uh, Taz's other son, Samoa Joe. <laughs> that's a that's a TNA TNA joke versus Hook at some point. That'd be really fun. I like what they're doing with Hook. 
I think they're pushing him very well, considered his limited TV time so far, but they're keeping the matches short and they're making him look like an absolute monster regardless of his size. So I look forward to him fucking up QT Marshall in the very near future because I don't like QT Marshall. I think he's a good in-ring wrestler and he seems like a nice guy, but as a character, uh, I look forward to seeing Hook choke him the fuck out. Yeah, no, I agree. All right, so the main event was for the TBS uh, Women's Championship. Uh, we had Jay Cargill, the champ, going against Anna Jay. And I have to say, man, you know, Ruby Ruby Soho's great wrestler. Thunder Rosa is one of my favorites. Anna Jay got the best match out of Jay Cargill. And this might be repetition on Jade since she's having to wrestle more. But I thought the ladies actually had a pretty damn good match. And at the end, it was very convincing that the Queen Slayer might actually pick up the win. But Cargill came up. Uh, she broke her grip from her uh, submission, picked her up for a huge slam, and finished her with her uh, move, um, whatever the hell it's called, uh, to retain the TBS championship. But I don't know how you feel about this, Chris, but I actually thought it was a very uh, very good match between both ladies, and Jay didn't look as out of place as she has in the past. I think part of the problem with some of the Jade Cargill matches is they tried to do too much. This match didn't try to do too much, and I would tend to agree with you. I think this might have been one of her better matches, if not her best match. And she's lining them up, man, stacking them down as champ. So good stuff. Uh, Good stuff in wrestling this week. We don't have any pay-per-views. We'll obviously be reviewing the uh, Royal Rumble next week since – it's on a Saturday, which I'm loving that WWE is doing that. So we'll have uh, all that preview stuff up for it. But, uh, yeah, man, that has been another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Thanks to all the guys and gals out there for listening. Chris, uh, say goodbye to all the lovely people. Give any plugs you have to plug and all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton, Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. And uh, uh, look forward to talking to you guys next week. And hopefully everyone's going to be watching this Joey Janela versus Matt Cardona match tonight. Because it's GCW saying, I think it's tonight. Hammerstein Ballroom, right? Stone, Hammerstone card. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be, is tonight the 23rd? Oh, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Oh, they're doing a Sunday show. That, that threw me off, but yes. So, well, by the time you hear this, <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed that match, I should say. Ooh, so, um, I'm definitely watching this tomorrow night. The three matches that they have uh, listed, apparently, uh, Ruby Soho is going to be in some type of match, but. The three they have listed, Chris, I'm going to send this to you before we get out of here. You got the champ, John Moxley, going against Homicide for the title. You got Jonathan Gresham for the Ring of Honor Championship going against Blake Christian. And you got Matt Cardona, like you said, going against Joey Darnella. I'm going to go Matt Cardona, John, Jonathan Gresham, and John Moxley are all going to retain and win. I'm going to go Moxley, Gresham, Joey Janela. Okay. Uh, mostly because they Joey's they looking jacked nowadays. Yeah, that and Cardona is uh, injured, coming off of Impact. They kind of played that storyline a bit, and then also them boys are fighting somebody. They just challenged everyone on Twitter, so there should be a tag title match of some sort. Let's see, 
Yep, to be announced. Oh, there's a, this is a really good card, man. I'm looking forward to watching and checking this out. Let's see if there's anything else. No. Like, there, there's names, but a lot of them are to be announced. Jeff Jarrett versus Effie? What? <laughs> yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. That's a thing. Jeff Jarrett showed up and on GCW later last week or the week before. So the new king so, of Memphis has to show up at the, uh, the ECW-like thing and poo-poo it is what I'm assuming, like Jerry used to do? <laughs> I don't know. You know what's hilarious, though? He was on SmackDown, and now he's on GCW in the same <laughs> week. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm hoping the Briscoes, their to-be-announced is going to end up being fucking FTR, but I, if I was Tony, I'd want that to happen on my program before. But then again, this is the first match back for Moxley, and he's going uh, in a hardcore match against Homicide. So, interesting. I'm looking forward to this tomorrow night, Chris. Yeah, it should be a good show. All right. Well, anyways, check out that GCW show, guys. Uh, and also check out our show. We do this every week, usually recorded on Saturdays. We have it out by either Sunday or Monday that next week. Uh, so you guys can listen to our reviews over all the shows and news going on. And you can find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, pretty much all of your major downloadable platforms. Just go to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. And uh, obviously, you know, just join whatever so you can get our episodes every week and uh, listen to us. And we appreciate all of our old listeners. Thank you guys so much. Um, I want to say rest in peace to Meatloaf, Louie Anderson, uh, Bob Saget. We lost a lot of great entertainers uh, last week. So too bad, you know. Anyways. So anyways, on a less somber note, thank you guys so much. Peace out. Let the wrestling geeks alive. I just fucked it all up. Peace out. Let the wrestling geek vibes be with you. And as always, oh yeah, brother.
boy? Yes or no? Let me sleep on it, baby, baby. Let me sleep on it. Well, let me sleep on. 